Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. This podcast is for you if you have an insane drive to find the truth of things. It's not the good answers that we seek, but the good questions. I interview a range of different guests from many different fields, all with the intention to uncover the simple truths that are hidden in plain sight. Most people don't want to go there. I go there. My guests go there, and you benefit. Please let me know if you enjoy these episodes, and as always, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. My guest today is Stephen Vanchani. He's a loca- location independent. He's been location independent for thirty years uh, and a digital nomad for longer than the term has existed. But also a Silicon Valley tech entrepreneur, uh, which is super interesting because now, as we were just talking about, uh, Silicon Valley has now caught up to what you've been doing for a long time. Um, so welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Well, thank you for having me here today. Uh, and so how did it come about? Like in 1995, how did you start becoming location independent? Yeah, well, I was a student uh, at UC Berkeley in the 90s. Uh, you know, I was very fortunate. I guess, actually, I guess it's kind of a funny story. I'll actually go back to the 80s. Okay, interesting. Uh, so I first got online back in 1984. I was a nine-year-old, uh, you know, just regular, you know, curious kid and I was fortunate enough to meet the only other kid in my school huh. who, whose dad was an engineer huh. and knew how to use the the uh, modem that was sitting in my house what and, was the but the internet in 1984 what was that even I mean that was just a bunch of universities we used uh, BBSs which yeah. were kind of a, a I guess an earlier version of websites uh-huh. uh, you uh, basically connected you connected from computer to computer and uh-huh. then there were networks that transferred messages overnight so could take a few days for emails to arrive across the world because wow. they'd have to go through hops. Um, but I, uh, I, I spent uh, a good part of my, uh, I would definitely say, productive youth uh, with because of all the time I was online. Uh, um, I mean, I guess I was part of the first true generation of kids that were online, you know, all the time. Uh, interesting. And, uh, were there any games at that point? Oh my God, there was <laughs> the game game the games were. The, the driving force of uh, all the uh, and online multiplayer games. Or, uh, what, or... They were there were online. Yeah, there were okay. a lot of actually online multiplayer games were quite common on BBS as they were just uh, text based mostly, uh-huh. but really addictive, just yeah. like every other one. Uh, <laughs> I, I, there were, I was right after the generation of true text text games. So when some of the really cool uh, graphic games, uh, you know, mm. came out, I mean, I won't go off into a list of on that, but yeah, the eighties were definitely a a great decade for innovation Interesting. with games. And also, I I spent uh, I got quite actively involved in the uh, quote underworld. Mm, uh, you know, mm, so I guess mm, you would say mm. hack, hacker communities. Uh, and uh, interesting. In fact, I recently found my first publication, my first product I ever invented in the eighties. Uh, I found a I found a a product spec. I guess we had published <laughs> by under my uh, handle. Uh, you know, my alias in that, if I kind of ironically, it was a, a, a device that enabled, we didn't have laptops or wireless. So it was a, I had figured out how to take a thousand foot wire, uh-huh. uh, connect it to any house on the street, uh-huh. a neighbor's houses, uh-huh. and roll it back to my house so that I could be online and connected. Interesting. Uh, With the people in your neighborhood. In, anyone, anyone within a thousand feet. Yeah, 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 uh, so yeah, it was yeah, a yeah. creative Early. way that kids... Uh, I did get caught at my, I got grounded, uh, for, I don't know how many years, uh, they, uh, and they made me pay my, pay the bills, but, uh, oh yeah, because you were, <laughs> you were using the neighbors cipher or that's were, you, you were just connected cipher. to the yeah, neighbors yeah, yeah, phone lines. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh-huh. I published this. So uh-huh. it was, uh, I, so the, I, I found the publication of this. It was, uh, called the uh-huh. Bagan box. Uh-huh. 
B E A G A N. It was a. Uh, it was after uh, you know, my uh, my handle uh-huh. uh, in the in the in the eighties. So was me and another person. Uh-huh. So I guess I joined a a group of uh, interestingly enough, Steve Jobs, of course, and Steve Wozniak were famous for their. Uh, uh, I guess adventures with boxes. Yeah. yeah uh, sure. So it's it's a, I guess it's a, a part of street cred. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, in I, the eighties, in the seventies and eighties, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, inventing a box uh-huh. or uh, you know pushing a box and publishing a box. So I uh, never really imagined that that would come back. But somebody managed to find all those text files from the BBSs and put them all online. Uh, interesting. As a historical uh, view of the eighties. So, what do you remember? What that project was called? Well, that was a there. Were, yeah, it's not like if you search uh, just boxes, like, uh-huh. you know, BBSs, 1980s uh-huh. boxes. Uh-huh. But uh, my box was the Bagan box, B-E-A-G-A-N. Okay. Yeah. Because my, my handle was, uh, I guess I, I guess it's not a secret anymore. <laughs> it's, it is, it is yeah. theoretically, uh, someone could find it online. So yeah. it's, uh, it was Lord Reagan. <laughs> so that was my... Uh, and was this in Silicon Valley? This I was in, actually, so I had just moved uh, when I, uh, to Canada, from Canada to... Uh-huh. To Southern California. Okay. So I was in Southern California mm-hmm. from 1980, you know, 85 to 1992. Uh, I did my junior high and my high school mm-hmm. there. I grew up, I was born in Canada mm-hmm. and uh, grew up in Edmonton. Okay. Actually in Western Canada, which mm-hmm. is uh, only famous for two things, that it's probably one of the coldest cities, wow. populated cities on earth. Uh-huh. And second, of course, uh, for ice hockey, uh-huh. the greatest ice hockey team uh, ever uh, and so you're like, let's get out of there. Let's get to the sun. Well, I didn't know. That was my father. I, I was, I was a kid. Oh, okay. My father, uh, you know, was, you know, he followed the, he was in real estate and there was wow. a crash and I lived through a few, uh, mm. crashes mm. that my father as an entrepreneur went through and he ended up moving to California. So, mm. but, uh, so that was, uh, kind of interesting. So that I, I, I was, uh, I, I guess that was my first effort to become location independent or at least, at least give myself a thousand feet. I could, I could, uh. Yeah. I could, but in those situations, we were not trying to move our computer. Uh-huh. We were, we, we had to, we, we didn't have a way to make phone calls. So uh, it was a, you know, in, in order to be able to make phone calls around the world, because we obviously, you know, couldn't pay those bills. The bills were not, oh. in those days, making calls outside your like 10 mile Region. radius were expensive Yeah, and making long distance calls. So uh-huh. we would either uh, set our computers up and try to find phone codes for companies. Mm-hmm. We would uh, test, test codes. Interesting. And like, you know, with their numbers until we got a hit. Yeah. And then uh, that's what they used to call that, you know, uh, was it freaking? Yeah, uh, freaking. Interesting. And uh, then, of course, uh, and then we had this this box, which was a, a, another clever way where you could uh, distribute. Uh, I, uh, I, I, of course, I was, I was, I was 11 years old or 12 years old at the time. <laughs> and I did get grounded and serve my, serve my time. Wait, but the, so, but the box, what would the box do? So the box was actually a, uh, was three things. There were three, three pieces to it. One uh-huh. was a, a phone jack, yeah. which would be able to uh, connect to, to connect. You could go to the, the phone box in people's house yep. and with alligator clips, you could, uh, you could connect into their phone line uh-huh. and then the phone jack would, uh, then you'd plug in the, uh, and then it was a thousand foot wire, which uh-huh. was essentially a thousand foot phone cord. Yeah. I, we'd, we'd have to, we'd have to go to the, uh, to the local, uh, you know, uh, phone, phone utility box. Uh-huh. And they were usually the, the repairmen stored them there. So if you had the right size wrench, yeah. you could open up their boxes because the boxes, it was just a, it was not a key. It was just a specific wrench. So, and that was how you connected with the larger. And network, then you could basically. take a thousand foot cord from yeah, the box that box too. And then you, uh, any, so anyone anywhere. So, you know, as a, as a good product, we put good, good specs together on how you could build your own. So people all over the country were, were building their own. 
just so <laughs> crazy to think about where we were and now where we are, like how many jumps it went from that point to now and how seamless it is now where we can just talk with anybody in the world. Like we were connected by one guy for, who I met yeah. on Twitter basically. And now we're together in Rio de Janeiro of all places. Like, go, yeah. cause I came here on my vacation. Uh, and, uh, and it's just so wild and it's so wild to see that. And I really want to focus on the, uh, location independent part. Cause how did you yeah. get, uh, where, how did it come about in 1995? Yeah, so I like, spent yeah. most of the eighties. I had a BBS and I was online, you know, deeply connected in the online world, thinking about the future. Cause you're, you're using this, mm. you're, you're loving the fact that they, I mean, you don't really, you're innocent. You're young. I was, yeah, I was yeah, 10, yeah. 11, 12, 13, 14, most of my teenage years starting yeah. from, uh, wow. when I was nine. So. Uh, all through high school, I had a BBS, I had my own community. So I was uh, living in a world where there were no age limits because no one knew my age. Uh, most of the people in that time were generally, the average, I'd say the average ages were around 18 mm -hmm. to 50, 90% mm -hmm. uh, men. Mm -hmm. uh, there were, you know, there were definitely were, engineers. Uh, there were mostly people, uh, students in universities and people that were, you know, technically hobbyists, hobbyists, which is generally, if you look back at the history of computers, you know, the some of the, uh, iconic movies from the Steve Jobs, you know, uh, from the seventies of the life of Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and everything, everything was, you know, the homebrew computer clubs. And as I mentioned to you, you know, the interesting enough, Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs were selling, uh, blue box blue boxes, uh, -huh. uh, you know, they had invented, which were giving you free phone calls. So it was a common trend. Uh, they were one generation ahead of me. Interesting. Oh. So that's how the, how Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak got started. Before they started building. Well, they were, seeds. they were in the Berkeley area. Interesting yeah, 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 enough, yeah, I was yeah, also in Berkeley. In uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Berkeley itself has uh, kind of interesting, so many Berkeley and the Silicon Valley, obviously in general, yeah. but Berkeley and Stanford for different reasons. A lot of the early days of uh, many uh, innovators yeah, yeah. were uh, cool stories about, you know, just with a lot of free time and, uh, you know, putting your creativity in ways that you, if it's, if it's, if it's a natural instinct, I think innovation is a natural instinct. Yes. And no matter what age we are, we're like trying to create things mm -hmm. and you're testing and experimenting and pushing the limits. You know, in my, uh, you know, when I was nine, 10, 11, I mean, I was, I had, I was trying to figure out, well, I, I need a solution to make phone calls so I can go talk, call all over the world and, and call all these BBSs because it wasn't like the internet today where you could connect to sites. So if you wanted to connect to all these cool sites all over the world, uh -huh. you had to dial directly to their computer. So we, oh, we had, had to have their phone number. You had to, you had to have their phone number and their computer could normally have one person connected at a time. If they had two modems and two lines and they could have two, that was really rare. There were a few yeah. and there were really few that had like a three, four or five lines. But generally most hobbyists had one line or it was not even a line. It was, a, it was, a, it was your same home line that your parents used. Uh -huh. And after, at the night when they went to sleep, you'd turn it on and let people connect. Yes. Uh, you know, and then you, you because to, you couldn't use the phone at the same time. You couldn't time use the phone at the same time. The so then, then, you'd be, then you, if you were a true hobbyist, you had your own line, which I managed to do. And we'd get my users to give me donations to pay mm. for some of the bills. So mm. those days they'd write a check, send in the mail with a post and we'd go to the cash the check or cash in my parents' account if I didn't <laughs> a bank Interesting. account. But, uh, yeah, so it was like, I mean, it's, the point is, it's the same thing at the core. You're, you're, you have a, you know, you're finding solutions and you're building community and uh -huh. you're, uh, so I spent, that was a good part of my, my childhood. Uh -huh. And so I guess it was just coincidence that in the 1990s, mm -hmm. uh, I did, I, when I went to university, I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't really understand that I was going, I didn't really know what the Silicon Valley was. I'd never heard of it. So that, that, that concept didn't exist. Entrepreneurship. Even though I was an entrepreneur all my teens, that concept didn't really exist to me either. 
So I had no idea. Actually, the reason I went to Berkeley was mostly because uh, uh, I I saw I, uh, I saw I had a really cool teacher. Um, uh, one of my, one of my really inspiring teachers uh, was Jim Mamer, uh, who 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 uh, showed us this uh, the documentary Berkeley in the '60s, and I just thought, oh, wow, that would be so cool <laughs> to, to to go to that school. Obviously, because that was 30 years later. Yeah. But I ended up, that was the only thing I knew about any university. I'd never even thought about universities until the day, you know, like a Friday night before my SAT. I said, oh, I have to take, what's that? I have, have to take to a think, test tomorrow. I have to actually figure out where I'm going. Take a test tomorrow, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and I had to figure out what university stuff. But being in California, it was kind of natural, you know. Uh, so anyways, I ended up, I really, good fortune that I ended up in possibly, I think that was one of the coolest places I could have been and with so much, so many, so many legacies. Uh, Interestingly enough, uh, I, I lived, uh, I had a food delivery business in, in, uh, at Berkeley uh-huh. and it was right on Telegraph Avenue, uh-huh. uh, which was right on top of Blondie's Pizza. Uh-huh. My apartment, I had to put it on Blondie's Pizza. So I had this phone that I could put out my window that would give me a range to serve for my people to, uh, I had a wired phone? 900 megahertz, uh, uh, 900 megahertz phones. Uh-huh. They had they were long range cordless phones. But they were the longest range cordless phones, and so they had to be in that area to order food from you. Uh, well, no, no, that I my I, my people that were orga- organizing all the food within uh-huh. all of our restaurants. So yeah, we, had, yeah, yeah. we had ten restaurants that were all about within two hundred meters of each other, uh-huh. within about three or four hundred meters of each other. Yeah. So our our people could be answering phones, taking orders, and running around gathering the food as the drivers came in. Oh, uh, it was one of the first food delivery businesses, and also probably was the first, one of the first online, food, yeah. was definitely the first online food delivery business in the world. Interesting. Uh, we, we had, we started taking orders in 1993 by email. <laughs> uh, so you, uh, you would send a, um, you, uh, in, although most people called on the phone and gave their credit card over the phone, uh, to, and we built it in a machine, typed it in manually, but you could technically uh, send an email in 93. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it would come to our pagers, which would then the same order. And then we would call them back and get their credit card number or, you know, respond back to them. Please send your credit card number. Uh, and how did you actually do the transaction with the credit card? Uh, we would just, uh, we would write it down on the, uh-huh. on the, on the write yeah, down there, yeah. what's your credit card number? Just like yeah. you do on the phone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we just put uh, key it into a, a machine at the, at the, at a store. So. We, oh, interesting. Okay. To one of the restaurants. Yeah, we would actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. So most of the restaurants would just let us use theirs and, you know, from the beginning and then we got our own later. But interesting uh, <laughs> was that, and now was that your first like sustainable business? Yeah, I, I had businesses all through. Well, I like to say my first business was my candy business when I was six years old, yeah, selling candies yeah, yeah, at yeah. school. Uh-huh. I, that used to pay my uh, my licorice habit. Yeah. Uh, so I used to buy a few at Walmart at the local, well, you know, what was it, Costco uh-huh. or Walmart, and uh, when I was seven or eight and nine, and then sell them at school. And then, uh, but yeah, I, my BBS, which I used to generate. On a good month, I could generate like a hundred bucks. Oh, interesting! Which was a lot of money at that time. Yeah, for a kid <laughs> of donations from uh, you know your your, yeah, your yeah, users. Yeah, interesting. On uh, a bad month, whatever you get one or two donations, but people would send ten bucks, twenty bucks in the mail. Uh, in the mail, <laughs> and then and then of course, um, yeah. So that and I and I um, actually I had a painting business. My first kind of serious business was when I was got to Berkeley. It was a, a student painters. Uh, it was. As a, as like the student, so you'd set up your own painting business, and you uh, you go, you basically aggressively market and get customers. I painted thirty something houses uh, over like a five month period uh, uh, with the whole team, with three teams of people. So interesting, and uh, and then I had a roller hockey business. Uh, we invented a 
a, a turnkey portable roller hockey rink, uh-huh. which we set up in schools and, and parties. And no, we set up yeah. for uh, roller hockey leagues for oh, kids when, when hockey was just getting popular in California. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that. Hockey yeah. being like a Canadian uh-huh. was one of my passions. And so that was another, uh, those were, those are our first few businesses. Uh-huh. And then, um, you know, I in fact had a few other, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're literally always trying things. Yeah. And some things, uh, they, they get traction and then you find out scaling problems and other things. And uh, so I went away from tech stuff for a few years uh-huh. and then and then the food delivery business. Uh, so that was, this was, and that a, was your first re-entry back into technology. Well, that wasn't really a tech business. I, I didn't think of it that way yeah, because yeah, it yeah. was, uh, I mean, we had an online component, but yeah. very few people oh, used it. it. Okay, yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I was more because I was at Berkeley and I was experimenting and studying, a, doing a lot of stuff. I was really interested in online stuff. Mm. So I, uh, so we set up, uh, email orders and then in 94, the web came, the web started kind of getting out. So we set up a website, our first, uh, our first webpage mm-hmm. where you made orders online. Uh-huh. So you went there and you had a CGI script that, uh, typed in your order and then it came to the same pager. So instead of coming directly as an email to the pager, it was the website, which converted it to a script. Which sent it as a pager. Interesting. Instead. And were you coding all this stuff or did you? Um, you I, with? I was, I had, uh. I mean, I, I, I was a, uh, I coded, but I'm, I definitely was, ne- I would never pay myself to yeah, code. Yeah, yeah. I was never, uh, uh-huh. I was always more of a, I guess you can say a product innovator yep. and I'd find much better, much better coders than me. And I was very lucky to be at Berkeley oh, nice. where there were <laughs> no shortage of really talented, uh, really talented programmers. Mm-hmm. And so I, I always would, you know, so I, and I was uh, involved with the business school there where, uh, I was, I studied also business and uh-huh. I studied social work business and political science. Uh-huh. So those were my three areas that I was experimenting and always trying things, uh-huh. political, uh, very active politically and mm-hmm. trying, creating political organizations uh-huh. and as a, a kind of a social activist and uh-huh. political activist, and uh, worked on a lot of interesting uh-huh. uh, projects. And then also as an entrepreneur and then as a social kind of social worker. So, and then in 1995, how did, uh, what was the first country you went to? Okay, so well, I've been to country, but in '95, uh, so starting about location independence, and we were really lucky. All of us. Uh, one of the first uh, things that enabled people to leave their home and be wireless was uh, was actually the the ricochet modems. Uh, you probably don't. If you could, don't that's another blast on the past. You yeah. have to you have to research that. But yeah. these were uh, first launched in the Bay Area uh-huh. uh, on at the you know, at the Stanford campus uh-huh. and at the Berkeley campus. And then, then around the Bay Area, San Francisco, in like uh, streets. Yeah. And but they basically put these wire, these these repeaters on the on the posts uh, that allowed you to be able to take your laptop and and sit in a cafe wow. and uh, use internet. So this was the first experience of wireless internet. I don't well, I guess the first experience was the thousand foot uh, yeah, wires yeah, from nineteen yeah, eighties yeah, that I used, yeah, but yeah, yeah, where yeah, I yeah. could I could go and uh, connect. But <laughs> but this was the first kind of uh, product that I think that really enabled people to be able to uh, have wireless. Um, you know, true, true wireless, sit in a cafe and work. Yeah. So that's when I was basically, I'd be generally sitting at the International House Cafe at, at UC Berkeley. And I, that's where it was my uh, place of choice or any of the other. Berkeley also has a great cafe culture. Oh. I had a great cafe culture back before, you know, the Starbucks and all these others existed. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it was one of the few places that had lots of independent cafes. So, Interesting. um, I guess campuses in general, but especially Berkeley was, uh, so I, I got, I was really into like, you know, working from a cafe and uh-huh. starting, we'd have all of our meetings with our, our teams and our, uh, we'd meet, we'd have our, uh, you know, company meetings, uh, working on projects, you know, at cafes and uh-huh. with, with, with wireless modems. And 
everybody bring their laptops. This was, so I guess the, you know, it's, I mean, it's no different than today, except we, we were lucky yeah. that we were one of the few places on earth that had uh, a few physical locations that had wireless modems. And I think that kind of already was getting used to that. Uh, it must've, must've been, I guess, late 94 or 95, probably 95, I think when the ricochet mm. hit, uh, hit the Berkeley campus and, uh, they, uh, they were also on the Stanford campus. And, uh, I think at that time, and, and if one, I think in, in the main streets of San Francisco, uh -huh. those were the first, they eventually it spread across the country. Yeah. So then it spread to New York. Uh -huh. And so I used to, so I used to go to cities where I knew there were ricochet, uh, cause, cause in those days there were not like random Wi-Fi connections available in places. Uh -huh. You couldn't just use internet. So, um, you had to know before you were going. Yeah. So and, and there were really few, uh, Wi-Fi, I'm sorry, even, uh, internet cafes. In 95, uh, by, by 96, the first ones around the world, you would, you know, if you were in a big city, there would be like one or two in the whole city. And you'd find out about these through the various online forums. Yeah, you'd, re well, you'd research yeah. online and yeah. see. So my, so 95, I guess I did my first, uh, like tra I traveled, I was traveling backpacking through Europe. Uh -huh. Um, and I, you know, I, those, those times I, you know, I, I don't really know how, uh, I'd, I'd have to find somebody with an internet connection or uh -huh. something, but it was pretty, or mostly you'd go to a university, you'd go to a big, uni big university or something. Uh, but by 90, 96 is when things actually changed dramatically. So that's when the first, uh, mobile phone, uh, the Nokia 9000, uh, -huh. uh came out and it allowed, it was a full browser internet in a phone. Uh, uh so it was so one, like the first Palm pilot. Basically. It was like the first internet enabled phone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was one G, you know, <laughs> I think that was, you know, and it was, uh, it was a, it's, it's a, it was a, it was a flip phone that you opened up and it uh -huh. was a whole browser. Oh, so I was talking about the Nokia 9000. So that actually, when that came out, that like, I was like, oh my gosh, now I could literally go anywhere in the world, which mobile phones exist. So, and I literally within like, I, I, months when they announced it, I was already planning my location independent lifestyle. I mean, I guess that's the way my mind works. Yeah. I was like, so I, I really wanted to go to China. Right. Uh, and I. I, I, I was just also at this time starting my first kind of serious tech company, the uh, one that kind of became quite uh, well, well known and uh, actually later became the, the 10th largest site, internet site wow. in the uh, brand in the world. Okay. But that's a whole other story. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. But um, I, I, I was working on this project, you know, Free Lotto. Uh, so free, I was, was working on this idea. Uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a free lottery, is the name. <laughs> <laughs> says and uh, i was i was like you know developing the the site and i uh i had also uh you know started i, I just had a, I had a small team i was working I, I i didn't have a lot of resources yet so yeah, it was you know yeah, yeah, yeah. i had you know i was we were, we were getting together and we had our prototype and uh, uh, and and then interesting enough i had started planning at the same time i'm like okay in theory i if i have this nokia 9000 i could connect my computer to it uh, uh you know, and, and I could like, you know, stay online and stay connected. And it, 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 one thing we learn about the real world is things that, uh, it takes off in many, many more years before something that works conceptually, yeah. uh, becomes, doesn't become, it becomes actually, uh, you know, without enough kinks to actually be able to do it, but you, you make, you make do. So, uh, we, but no video calls, no voice calls, just simple text, basically. Uh, well, internet, it was just, yeah, yeah, yeah. internet. The, we'll just have an internet connection. That's yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. That to be able to travel across. And if there was a mobile connection, in theory, have an internet connection. But that mobile connection would need to have been through one of these uh, routers. Well, you'd have to get a, you'd have to uh, get a, a, 
get connected to uh, in the in the country you're yeah, at, yeah. and then connect it to your computer uh, yeah. with uh, or or send yeah, email from the phone. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah So yeah. Nokia 9000. It, but the phone, how did the phone connect to the internet? Through the mobile connect mobile network. Through the mobile network. But it was uh, not like there was not like data type thing. It was just really 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 slow. Yeah. yeah so yeah. theoretically, you could send an email. Yeah. Uh, you could because you were con there was a type of browser in the computer. Yeah. In the in the phone. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean to say. I can't say we used it a lot. It, yeah. I mean, it, it worked and we were able to, but um, that was kind of like, you could say, the, the beta yeah. of, I mean, but it was the first and we did, did have some successful uses of it. Uh, but uh, about a year later in 97, I think uh -huh. things got much, much better uh, when the first uh, cell phone card, uh, it was like, it's like a, one of those uh, cards that you put into your computer uh -huh. and it actually yeah, could have a cell phone connection. That, that actually really made things possible at that point. And that, by that time, the ricochet was also everywhere uh -huh. on the, in the U.S. So I was generally traveling freely around. So I could go by, yeah, anywhere in the US, by 97, yeah. I could go almost anywhere in the U.S. Mm. And definitely in New York and San Francisco, where I spent the most times. Yeah. And I was living in youth hostels. Uh, so I would, uh. Uh, I would I, in fact, I, uh, it's kind of funny, I uh, met my first, well, actually, no, my second uh, investor. Uh, uh, my first investor was a was a Silicon Valley, you know, legend who uh, just, uh, you know, really a guy. Uh, uh, I, uh, uh, I I think he, I, I like to call him Yoda, uh, but he was uh, it was just, you know, the wisdom beyond. Interesting. Uh, it was unassuming wisdom beyond his years. And he uh, he saw my project early on and gave us he just literally made an instinctive decision to support it. Wow. Um, but the second one, when we were like, like every entrepreneur, you can't make your paycheck. I was in the hostel sitting on my uh, computer on my- uh, Where, which city? In New York. In New York. In okay. 103rd Street in Amsterdam, uh -huh. the, the American, the Hostel International, which uh -huh. is, I consider my, uh, you know, it's one of the most iconic youth hostels in New York uh -huh. City. Uh -huh. uh, Pegasus. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, so that was, um, but I was sitting at, at a, uh, you know, on my uh, computer. There was yeah. no Wi-Fi in the hustles or anything uh, else, yeah. but I had my connection because it was uh, working. It must have been 90, it must have been 97, uh, uh, maybe 96 or 96 or 97. Mm. Um, and I actually, in fact, uh, yeah, I was there and this, the guy next to me, uh, he just like, and I was like, how am I going to make payroll? <laughs> I was like, we were actually just getting going there. We had people working for us now yeah. and in California and I was Interesting. out yeah. and I was actually uh, just, Actually, I think I was at I was in New York and I, it was it was a there was a uh, they were featuring they had invited us uh, one of the investment banks to come and present our you know our startup uh, it was a it was a Goldman Sachs or one of the other things yeah. of top companies but I was sitting in my hostel like and uh, trying to figure out how to pay pay out all of a sudden a this this guy in my in the bed next to me five dollar bed it's like what, what are you what are you working on there <laughs> computer he was really curious started asking me so I sh showed him my pitch and. Showed him my, my project, my product, what we were working on. Yeah. You know, we had developed, uh, this was, uh, you know, I was, well, I had, we had developed Free Lotto, but I had, this was, I was just incubating cool. Uh, at that time it was, uh, we were developing a, uh, one of the, was one of the first loyalty mm. currencies, point, point programs. Interesting. That also grew to you know, 10 million users later. Wow. And went through many. <laughs> and I don't want to interrupt because this is really interesting to hear about the in investor as well, but it must have been so fascinating to be part of that first opportunity for scale. I yeah. mean, not, I mean, I'm sure there was, you know, like Henry Ford, that was scale as well, but yeah. like, but like on internet enabled, scale. I think it was speed of scale. Scale speed always scale. existed speed all throughout history. Yeah. Any entrepreneur that's ever built any, you know, iconic brands for hundreds of years, especially yeah. you know, 
you know, they once they figured out ways to scale their business and they found processes, uh, you know, to to mm-hmm. to document the bureaucracy and everything. Yeah, and so, I mean, I don't think it's ever changed. Even if you, it's I'm the sure, speed of like scale. as you said, yeah, yeah. Ford obviously is. Yeah. I got it, but every brand name comes uh, from the 1800s or 1900s. Yeah. I mean, every entrepreneur has go, goes through the same things. Is okay. I got something that's working. You know, it, it's you know, margins are here. <laughs> you know that. Yeah, I think I I could duplicate it. You do it two times, yeah, three times. Repeatable. You create a yeah. franchise or whatever, a restaurant. Yeah. And you uh, you you and then you figure out processes. Uh, you know. So I mean, uh, I don't think it, it. It's just it's just the tools that make it easier to do it and make it uh, you know lower cost to do it yeah. and make it possible for more people and the speed of scale and that goes all the way up to today which you know you i think it was facebook was the one that got the billion users really quickly and then it went to whatsapp and then it went to instagram and then exactly in four months now basically and now it's just probably going to continue like that basically although maybe some things are going to change to where like a lot of people talk about kind of like uh biggest no no uh and uh so a lot of people talk about just like uh that we're also going to go through a sort of like fracturing of of society as well, just like with all these different niches that are going to expand. Some yeah. people are calling it like the patchwork age, where basically, you know, maybe ChatGPT was the last one where it grows quickly like that. Yeah. Maybe. But yeah, would you have any thoughts on that? Well, the the interesting enough, a big part of my career has been uh, yeah. on making things go viral, yeah, or grow organically, yeah. or finding things that scale. Uh, well, so something is a simple thing, and if you can spend a dollar and make two dollars, uh, uh, you'll keep yeah, doing that until yeah, you yeah. can't, until it's not yeah, making yeah, two dollars yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah, and that's really what—that's really the science of. Uh, so, I, I, there are three types of marketing. Um, uh, um, I did want to just finish before <laughs> I, that last thing, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll continue this yeah, right here. Yeah. That last one I did the hostel story. I thought was really interesting, and no, so that that, that investor basically that well, wasn't—I didn't know he was an investor. It was the guy in the five-dollar yeah. bed next to me, uh, and he he looked and he's like. Uh, do you, do you need an investment? Um, uh, like, oh my God, I'm trying to make payroll. Yeah. Tomorrow. It turns out the guy was actually an investment banker. Yeah. Uh, on a on a sabbatical. Uh, from from uh from Europe, and he was taking a six month break after 13 years of working intensely as an investment banker. Yeah. And it was one. So he actually was. Why a, was he at the hostel? He was at the. Well, he was just yeah, traveling yeah, the world, just have, like yeah, just yeah, like yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, he was yeah, he was yeah. traveling the world, a backpacker, yeah, you know, yeah. taking a six month sabbatical <laughs> and searching for you know his next. What he wanted to do, he was actually thinking about moving, you know, was traveling around the world and thinking about moving to New York and mm. also curious about the internet. You yeah, know, he was in a more conservative place yeah, and in Europe. Yeah. He, and he was coming to the U.S. and he was wandering around. And uh, so the, the next, the, the bottom line is the next day, uh, the same day or next day, he's like, yeah, let me, let me give you a check for $25,000. It was one of my, it was my second, uh, it was my second kind of investment uh, that was like, well, beyond, uh, you know, like, I guess at that time, 25000 or above, I guess would be considered a serious investment yeah know, angel investment yeah, yeah, yeah uh you know that was like the in, in what well uh in if you could talk about it well it's, it seems long enough now that it wouldn't be like uh a sensitive but like what what kind of equity split was that for what, um, well, I, from a european I, I investor how conver- would they- oh, I, use, I use convertible notes interesting uh, okay, so convertible so. notes have been around yeah. bridge convertible notes uh as they've been around for a long time and yeah. they're the easiest way to for any it's still used today yeah. when you're in before you get to kind of a formal round uh where you basically you know you you say here's a note i'll give you a discount on the next round uh, you know and um that's pretty much you know we gave them a discount on the mm. on our first vc round which happened to be another a year about a year later yeah, so we did our first kind of vc round uh so it was just kind of it's good 
so the, the, the entrepreneurs have used the same general tools, uh, you know, although there've been variations of that. Uh -huh. So, um, which yeah. is super interesting. We could talk about as well, but I want to hear what those three versions. Yeah. So that also, that's, I, I thought that was yeah. story. It was always a, just uh, a big part of, you know, my, my name and my, uh, uh serendipity ventures yeah. is the, is the, uh, is my holding company. And I've always lived by the living and breathing by serendipity and, and all throughout my life. And I mean, I literally have maybe a hundred stories of situations where I was like, literally hail Mary. And all of a sudden the most unexpected person or encounter in the most unexpected place would, would open the next door. And, uh, I know I don't, I don't have any logical explanation of why these things happen and I don't, you don't need to explain <laughs> yeah, them, but they yeah, happen yeah, yeah. and they happen way more often. And I think this is what kind of mystifies us always about not understanding oh, <laughs> How the, the crazy most how craziest coincidences yeah. that change our life. And, you know, that was just, I have a hundred of those examples. I had a similar example, by the way, uh, uh, when I was on my way to present at that, uh, uh, at that uh, presentation with the investment banks in New York. Yeah. And I was practicing my pitch, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> before the big audience in the taxi. Yeah. And then she left. The only peer person that invested that day was my taxi driver. No way. Not any other people. <laughs> Uh, from that uh, presentation taxi, that's very interesting yeah you know, he put like he's he, he was apparently an entrepreneur from africa who was you know hustling uh you know and working in a taxi and it, and he invested like five thousand dollars but it was a he he loved the pitch and on a convertible note too <laughs> on a convertible note yeah and that's <laughs> was he familiar with a convertible note already no you, you, have, to, you have, to have to explain it, explain it yeah, yeah, educate yeah, them yeah, you okay. show it you explain yeah. how it works you yeah. take them through the process you yeah. give them references like anything yeah. you explain give it so why it's used and yeah and, you know, at the end of the day, the person came back. We had three more meetings afterwards. It wasn't like a random thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was, he was an entrepreneur. He just, you know, yeah, it was yeah, uh, yeah, like yeah. lending people. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it was kind of funny. So my, uh, uh, some of the early, well, angel investment stories are always like that. Yeah, you know, they're yeah, not yeah. the, you know, the, before you kind of get a little more traction and you get to the point where you are working with, you know, mm. uh, VC funds, especially in those days, there were not a lot of uh, angel funds and everything else. It was really friends and family or, random people you met uh you happened to just meet in the youth hostel or in the taxi on the way to a presentation uh, -huh. uh versus and then you got enough traction and all of a sudden you know uh, there was you know a silicon valley or new york vc which in those days were really where most of the uh, tech vcs were yeah um so they were and that, so that was kind of interesting so that go i want to go back to the uh, marketing and uh -huh. i think this is this is a core of thinking about everything. Yeah. At the end of the day, everything is about the economics, yeah. you know, of yeah. what is it cost of acquisition and and can that scale? And can you can you duplicate that? And can you uh, mm. and it, until it scales? And so I was very lucky. So I, I, back in the '90s, when I was working on Freelotto, I ended up, uh, mm. for lack of a better word, merging or joining together really early on mm. with someone who became uh, one of my great my mentors. He uh. was a uh, he actually found me randomly. Um, uh, he was working on a similar idea uh, for, uh, with with a lottery, and he was thinking about, uh, you know, the name. Oh, I should name this uh, free lotto. And he uh, he found that I was working on a free lotto project with the same name. Or uh, the with same name. name. So we uh, he called me up, and he was this really, uh, uh, God, it was. I like to call him the the Godfather. He was like he was like this kind of this larger than life figure that. Uh -huh. uh, uh, that had, had, had was in his was my age today it was about his late his yeah, late forties yeah, yeah, and had been through all the life experiences that I have now gone through the last thirty years yeah, already yeah, yeah, yeah. and had uh, we connected in a, such a deep in, a, in an incredible way but he um, 
he i think what we realized really is that i the, uh, he he understood the science of direct marketing mm. he was my teacher mm. and uh you know the this uh, direct marketing is all is really almost a science it's all quantitative it's about interesting and numbers in everything every business uh there's really generally two ways you either grow organically yeah uh which itself has a whole kind of uh, you know uh economic there's a there's a viral quotient and uh you know, in a way to like how to get virality that yeah, people yeah, have yeah, developed yeah, later, but yeah. uh, but it's ultimately things that either grow organically and they take a life of their own and they yeah. they, grow, they grow by word of mouth, yeah, uh, or things that um, where you 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 spend you spend something and you make more than you're spending, and the key is the bigger your market is that you can spend. So if you're, uh, I found that the biggest possible, uh, so if you can spend a dollar and make two to three three dollars or four dollars or five dollars, mm -hmm. and you can and you can repeat that. There's a business. Uh, then you, then you, well, if if you can, if you have more places to spend that same dollar and, and repeat that, then That's you have a business. Yeah. But a lot of times, the thing is, if you're if you're targeting is too niche, uh -huh. you, you don't have a lot of places to go after a few uh, you, you, a few customers you acquire. Yeah. So I've always realized in my career that ideally, I like to find true mass marketed businesses where you can prove without targeting your ads. So non targeted. The cheapest and most widespread inventory available is, uh, it's kind of going back into my marketing and side, but is, is remnant inventory. Yeah. It's the cheapest inventory. It's inventory that's unsold. It's untargeted. It's the lowest, lowest uh, cost inventory. You can go to like any big company and you can buy really cheap. What, so is, what is it though? What is remnant inventory is unsold inventory. Okay. So it's the uh -huh. cheapest inventory, uh, but it's, it's, you, you can buy it so cheap. Uh, so I always said, if you can like take remnant inventory and you can in a true mass market and, and prove that you can, you can make money with that, you can literally scale that forever. And so we were interested, uh, Freelotto ended up becoming the biggest buyer of ads and media on the internet of remnant inventory. We would buy because we had one of the first true mass market products Interesting. Uh, in on a time internet. and mass market services before uh, at a really, so in the, in the nineties, there were only a uh, there was really only, I guess, three three mass marketed services that were that were truly appealing to everyone in the world. Uh, so, in other words, there were a lot of niche services that were trying to prove markets, but they were really early and they had small yeah. early adopters. But there were only there. There's basically there was at that time there was AOL, uh -huh. which was marketing the internet, yeah, which was yeah, yeah, not cute. even mass market yet. It was still they were they were but they were marketing. They were trying to make it mass market and yeah, it had a big yeah, enough yeah. market in the U.S. at least. That they were spreading across Middle America, and they were yeah, giving these yeah, discs yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and to the real, players. real. Not that means that means basically you can sell a product outside of New York and San Francisco. Yeah, you know, you know to like everyone. And so, interestingly enough, uh, lotter lotteries are probably the biggest product yeah. in the whole world. That's yeah. standardized globally, and everyone knows the word. And just was coincidentally, that's why we. And so, what was the other one? There was because three had AOL lotteries, and then what? Well, I think there were. Uh, I guess I guess you would probably say porn. Porn and then gambling yeah, 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 was it yeah, yeah, gambling yeah, 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 and porn, yeah, but they yeah, kind yeah. of were in the same category. Yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah. I'd say more porn than gambling was 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 90s, was, was yeah, spreading yeah. Yeah. like gambling was the two thousands. That's what yeah, gamble yeah. gambling was there. It existed, but yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I'd say the things that really get the most uh, like, energy every the, everywhere you looked, if you looked anywhere, you would see ads for hmm. uh, AOL. Uh -huh. 
and those discs. Uh, a few people who live in the '90s remember those omnipresent yeah, yeah, no, I remember. discs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then became CDs that yeah. uh, you put into your computer, and you're online. Yeah, <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah, uh, you can watch the You Got Mail movie if anybody yeah. doesn't remember the '90s, <laughs> and you'll uh, you'll remember that was basically for most people that was the internet. Yeah. And if it didn't, so there were very few services outside of AOL. Mm. That uh, so we were actually a uh, separate service. And the reason it worked is that everyone under everyone in the world understood what a lottery was. Yeah, interesting. In fact, lottery so you were the, outside of AOL. So that so so that is really interesting because every everything else. Well, no, what so it wasn't there were other services were other that used, services, but they were but generally pretty small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Amazon was there, and there were That's travel right. sites and yeah. everything, but they yeah. were generally pretty niche. Yeah, most of the internet users that that were like not just the early adopters that were in the tech world. Yeah, uh, or just true early adopters in New York and San Francisco were. We're middle. In other words, what we would say is middle America. Any not city or town across the United States yeah. that's not uh, New York or San Francisco, yeah. uh, or, or a big city of early adopters. Yeah, uh, that they, they were very. AOL was probably AOL and Free Lotto were probably two of the first services, and then of course porn always exists everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so throughout time, and so it it's always finds a market, and it always gets to everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as know. we're as we're seeing now with the OnlyFans thing going you know, on, even yeah, even in the eighties, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, when yeah, we used to like VHS have BBSs, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the two things that everyone would change change were ga games, uh -huh, you, know, yeah, yeah. you know, games without pain. Yeah. Uh, so you know, cracked. You know, so things that you could like, you know, games where you could not have to go out buy them in the store. Yeah, and uh, you know, and of course, you know, teenage kids, you know. Mostly male, yeah. You know, yeah. we're looking for, you know, in those days, you know, you were, you go to the store and you try to like the watch bags. a Playboy, play nudie yeah. section, <laughs> uh, Playboy magazine, yeah. uh, or uh, online. Yeah. So those were always the the, <laughs> the things that people use the most. But uh -huh. in the '90s, it wasn't a surprise that those were the most uh, widely those things. So yeah, so you know, lotto. So interesting enough, we had a lottery that was free to play, uh, and it didn't have any uh, gambling uh, component to it because it was free. So that's why you won, but you didn't pay. So that's why it was considered uh, promotions marketing and direct marketing. Oh. So we were working with promotions law yeah, and yeah. Uh, ad ads paid for the tickets. So basically you, you uh, chose your numbers yeah. and we had a $1 million lottery and a $10 million uh, lottery. Uh, later on, we added a $10 million lotteries and, mm. and we had, and, and we had one, $1 uh, lotteries, <laughs> $1 win wins. So you'd win a lot, and we'd and we'd actually mail you a one dollar check in the mail. It seems almost <laughs> as good of a business as the um, domain names. I've talked to some people in the '90s who yeah. were in the involved in the domain. Domains names, were which, interesting, yeah. but they were not a mass market. But they yeah, were a, yeah, it was a big business yeah, because yeah. people were speculating on the future. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. as far as mass market businesses, uh, they were really yeah, it wasn't really good business. But it, yeah. you know, it was a good business in terms of making money. But it wasn't an actual business because all of it was this one moment in time where you could basically get all. of Yeah, that. I mean, those are those were those were people in the industry that were speculating yeah, and yeah, buying yeah, stuff, yeah. and it was a big business. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was not a mass consumer business that yeah, you were yeah, selling. Interesting. So as far as like AOL or like uh, porn or like yeah. lotto, lotto, lotto. Uh -huh. uh, well. Gambling was tough because you couldn't, uh, so that's why free lottery was, we eliminated the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the big obstacle, yeah, which yeah, yeah. how do you make payments? The yeah. payments weren't really developed, uh, really, you know, at that time, the ability to make, uh, you know, make payments, it was really, I mean, you can, it because was in order to gamble, you would need to credit cards and other yeah, things. Yeah. And they were still working through, I mean, people found I mean, ways to make the advertisers would pay you. So in this case, it was just advertisers that were paying yeah. us yeah. And, and they'd pay for your ticket. So you'd, yeah. you'd come, so you'd, you'd be shown three ads. You choose the one that was most interesting to you. And then we'd always collect more information. So we were actually the biggest 
uh, direct marketing company in the world uh, at that time, online direct marketing company. That's so interesting. And we grew to about uh, almost, I guess, at, at its peak, it must have hit like 40, 50 million, like 50 million people. Wow. And what was interesting is every day we would have draw, we would have six drawings that were live brought. We would, yeah. we didn't live broadcast. We would, they were filmed and then they yeah. were on a video. Uh, and then the insurance company would, at those times would, would come and they would ma make sure it was, we had the full ball drops, just to think ball drops, like people were used to seeing on TV, yeah, those yeah, big machines. Yeah, we had yeah. one of those machines in our office that, uh, would, would and you'd videotape it and vi you'd upload it, it to a server. We didn't, we would just post the numbers, but the, the videos were documented and recorded if anyone oh, ever wanted it, to see it. them. Okay, it was okay, too much yeah, work yeah, to yeah, actually yeah, post yeah, videos yeah, 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 and no one yeah. could actually see videos anyway. Yeah, yeah, so you could yeah. download them and theoretically, but. People would just, in fact, what we would do is much more efficient is we would send, we, would, we had an email that would go out to like 30 million people. Yeah. So just by the way, at that time, you know, nobody sent more than like a few thousand emails. Yeah. So all the early email innovation for sending mass mails, we actually uh, developed all that in-house. And in fact, one of the biggest email marketing companies for like the so email software was one of something that was came out of a solution we developed, uh, you know. <laughs> So, but, and then, but there must've been data that you, you must, there must've been a large amount of data you would have needed to store. How did you store that data? Oh, wait, I mean, databases still yeah, existed, okay. you know, Oracle yeah. databases were there and those okay. days, those days mostly use Oracle, uh, you know, they, because they were much better than the, 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 uh, you know, some of the, the, other, you know, some of the free stuff or other things that are, that are pretty well developed today. were not as good. So generally and, people use Oracle, uh, but so they basically oral Oracle had cloud software at that time. It was a cloud. Nothing was cloud. Nothing uh, was cloud. Everything, but we had our database. We stored, we would gather information. So yeah. we were, we'd have millions and millions of users. They'd yeah. be coming to our site yeah. and we'd be, we'd be collecting new data about them every day. Ask yeah, them, yeah, ask yeah. them preferences, questions, yeah. they'd share data and they'd watch ads, uh, in order to play a lottery to win a uh, million or $10 million. Uh -huh. And we had a lot of winners. Uh, so we, we gave away uh, over the years about $100 million in prizes. And wow. That's a whole nother story. But, uh, but the, but yeah, so the, in that situation, we, we, we also it found it was interesting because we, we were sending out, we never figured out, in a, but the key there was we were literally, we're buying so much cheap media in a market that was pretty much everyone because almost, half the world plays lottery. So it's, yes. when you, if, you have a, if you have a product, this is interesting. If you have any product that like basically have everyone uses, yeah. you don't need to do targeted marketing because if you buy such cheap ads, there's no need to do targeted yeah, yeah, marketing. Yeah, yeah. That's, got, that's got actually it, something, that's, what the, that's a big about. part of the way I think about mass marketed stuff. Is it something that, that billions of people use? And, and therefore, uh, if, if you needed to, could you, uh, yeah, so therefore all ads are targeted ads. Yeah, because the 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 market is so big. Basically. The market is so big, and I yeah, and yeah. I and in fact, you know, it's I think I, that's the way that's the markets that are most interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you could, but do find, they still exist? Like, of course. In terms of, in there are terms markets. Of the internet. Like, I mean, there are yeah. there are markets. I mean, there you know there are markets that are like so that are so widely you know lotteries were there. Yeah. I mean, but there are food stuff. Uh, but yeah. now they're highly competitive, though, right? Well, well everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every every market is competitive, and yeah. the bigger it is, and that's innovation is there's always something to innovate yeah, yeah interesting. entrepreneurs will always see new ways to do things always see new ways to uh you know to develop things so yeah i mean um uh, you know i'm um uh yeah that, that's something that you're you're, you're you know, i don't think there's there's no, no people that the people that generally say there's nothing nothing left to yeah, do yeah. are generally not entrepreneurs or yeah, not, not innovators yeah, i mean yeah, there's yeah. always a million ways to do something better or do something whatever and an entrepreneur will all will never find a true entrepreneur 
you know, it's, this is a whole other debate about, you know, I think uh, natural born entrepreneurs, yeah. uh, you know, versus that, whether uh, you can learn it versus like learning. I mean, it's, it's part of the, you're, it's wired about who you are. You're yeah. always looking at yep. everything around you. And the more experience you have, yeah. the easier it is for you to see opportunities because you, you, uh, the more you understand you've been through it, yeah. you, you understand intuition. every layer of every market and everything down to the marketing, down to, mm. you know, the, the technology, the software, and the, and the more pieces of the layers that you understand deeply, like mm. over the years, I have, I've built so many products from scratch, so many, you know, marketing strategies. I've, yeah, I've yeah. personally written and optimized hundreds of campaigns for mass marketing campaigns, you know. And you you kind of it's it's part of the way you think. So everything everything you look at, it's like I don't know. It's kind of like you know when uh, you know when Neo in the Matrix and uh -huh. he looks at and he sees like he sees the you know the sees beyond what everyone else sees. You could like you see the the ones and zeros. Yeah. I mean that's kind of how everything you look in the world. You you and the more you demystify every process. You know I've I've worked with you know building supply chains and mm -hmm. building materials from scratch over the years. I've built. You know, scientific products. I've built you know mm -hmm. hardware products. I built software products. And then once you've been through these, you you understand all the tools and all the the steps along every step along the way in building everything is a, is an is a thing that could be something can be made more efficient. So I think uh, generally that's how entrepreneurs think. You know, the more and the more experience, the more exposure you have to things, the more you you see opportunity in everything, and you find ways to think about things that you know most people don't. And I mean. And you can you have a kind of almost a competitive advantage in the way you see the world. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that Luke Skywalker thing, the where where they're in the where they're in the Millennium Falcon, and I forget who it is, probably Obi Wan Kenobi, who who's like, okay, well now forget whatever you're seeing, basically, and yeah. just tune into it. And it's like that yeah. thing is 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 crazy for an entrepreneur what they build a dip, but it it's, <laughs> requires so much suffering to get to that point. Uh, for some people, some people yeah. are very lucky. It sounds like you you were you you got right into it. Well, although you started really early as well. Really early, but I think yeah. that you never stop learning. The thing yeah. is, you, is that the world is changing and yeah. every aspect of the world is changing and just the way of thinking. So that, that in the way of thinking about uh, optimizing conversion rates, yeah, in fact, is a way of thinking about everything you look around the world Okay. Is you ultimately it's 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 there's a convert every interaction. Yeah, interesting. Not just talking about online in the yeah. world. Yeah. Every business, everything yeah. on the street. Yeah. If you think about it as your, how do you optimize converge rates? How do you cut the steps to a sale? Yeah. How do you cut the steps to getting a lead? I mean, how do you cut the steps to bringing a product to market? Yeah. You know, if instead of going through three steps to you, if you can cut it down to two steps in the supply chain, you can if you can make anything. I mean, anything you can do to make the 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 steps to more Very efficient soon, yeah. is a way to uh, to get a competitive advantage yeah, yeah, and some advantages are more significant than others yeah. and then obviously that's how opportunities come about you know and and you of course you can't choose just because you see a million opportunities you can't you know you don't go you after do every single opportunity yeah, 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 yeah. you yeah. you wait you wait for one that you know maybe is the the greatest cost benefit and the greatest competitive advantage and uh, that has the scalability that's clear i mean that's these are all the things, these terms you hear when you hear, you know, investors talk about, like, what's your competitive advantage? Yeah. What's your barriers to entry? What's yeah. your thing? You know, a lot of people are like, it's almost, if you have never been through that, you, yeah. you kind of it's like, a term. it's a term and yeah. you try to like, look it up and you try to write it up and you write a slide in your yeah. deck, which no one reads or cares about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there are so, but yeah. I mean, if you, uh, but if you, the more you understand just the world around you, the more you understand every process, you know, you know, whatever it is you're focusing on, I mean, 
software, hardware, manufacturing, supply chains, you know, you know, I've, I mean, I've been very fortunate over the years to work in so many different areas that, uh, and I've applied, ultimately it comes down to your, your, your optimized, there's a, there's a bunch of steps to a completion of a process from, from, you know, from, from going back to the first product, the first chemical. I mean, you could go back, yeah, all literally back yeah, to the, evolution <laughs> as you know, back on a product yeah, down yeah, to yeah. the first raw materials and everything else, yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah, and trace it all the way down to the end product. And. You know, obviously, you don't, most entrepreneurs find a niche, an area you yeah. don't need to reinvent a lot of pieces of the supply chain. But mm. the point is, is that's the way if you look at the world like that. You see, you see every interaction, you see everything about how do I improve the efficiency? How do I improve? How do you optimize the conversion rate? Yeah. So. And it reminds me of like events and I've been getting into a lot of automa automation stuff and like everything is just made up of events and that's a super abstract word like event yeah. like what does that mean and that's good that it's it gets almost philosophical as well because like there are events like a signing somebody signing up on a on a page and then once they've signed up then they've uh then they've you know like uh make a purchase or or whatever and all those things need to be stored in a database and it's yeah. just like crazy thinking about like how we're taking reality and then we're creating this like virtualization of it on the computer which is yeah. just and so sales automation wild. is yeah. all about that you have like 20 steps and you yeah, have every different thing and you're measuring it today we have we always did that we did that since the beginning of time it's just the tools are better yeah today you have a service for everything yeah over the years most of the things we take for granted today which most entrepreneurs are used to having you know 50 different services we just did we did all those on our own we yeah, did you know we you know, email stuff we built our own tools. We built our own servers. We built our own. We didn't have cloud servers. We had to like build our own data centers. We yeah, had to, yeah, yeah, you know, in yeah. the earlier days, we didn't even have data centers. You know, we would like literally have to have computers. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, in, in our in our, our home and, and and have websites. Like in the eighties, you know, we, we oh. had, a, had a computer. You had to have a modem yeah. and a computer. Yeah. You could have two modems and maybe in a computer, and you could have two phone lines. You know, you and you had to have. A bigger hard drive if you wanted to store your stuff. You didn't store it anywhere, but you you had data. You had all the stuff. Uh, I know we had a 10 megabyte hard drive, but if the cool sites had a 100 megabyte hard drive, which was really rare back in those days. Yeah, but, now we're at a terabyte. Yeah, but the point is, yeah. is that you know, it's it. If it's funny thing about it is that nothing that we're invented today hasn't been done before, but just it was just it, a lot harder yeah. for earlier generations to do things. And therefore, less people did it, or you had to have more resilience, or more, mm. uh, more. Uh, mm. I just say more. Ex you had to have yeah, definitely more resilience. Like pro great programmers from this, you know, from the fifties, the sixties, yeah. the seventies, for that matter. You know, there were there were programmers. You know, you know, Babbage was uh, figuring out, yeah, yeah, thinking about yeah, computers and everything before he could even yeah. put it on to, to life in yeah, his head. Yeah. You know, and figuring it out, and many other. Uh, you know, you know, I mean, te Tesla. You know, was was yeah. working on. Some of, some of the greatest innovations, someone 50 years, 80 years ago was already, already had it all mapped out in their head. They yeah. couldn't put it to action. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yet. Which must have been so frustrating. <laughs> yeah, and that's basically yeah, 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 so yeah. many things even that, that we can do today, we take yeah, for granted. Yeah. We had to work so hard or we couldn't even do. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and of course, that, that makes it easier to do today. I mean, we take for granted, and obviously now with AI and uh, yeah. so many the innovation, so many AI can help you automate at a level that was not even possible before. Especially if you understand the, you understand all if you understand the inputs <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and you understand the inputs and you have the and you understand the yeah, tools yeah. that are becoming available to help you automate things. Mm. And I, you know, one of my later one of my companies in the in the two thousand in the two thousands was, mm. uh, you know, we had developed a you know, essentially one was the first plat platform for building apps on the internet. Oh, interesting. And we also developed 
essentially uh, uh, programmable scripts that can emulate humans so they could be interacting with 20 sites simultaneously and doing things and and then developers would be able to build apps we actually and that was before the api basically. this is before apis yeah. uh, and in fact well apis were just starting around but there was a better they were not they the apis required everyone to agree yeah. this was actually uh, if we, the wild west of that so i, I you know we we were uh, back in the 2010s which was my later generation to come my yeah. next generation we had developed a vision for the future of the internet yeah. uh, which was a we developed our our company developed the first platform for building apps on the internet. Yeah, interesting. And we developed a platform for building apps. We developed Connect technology, which was today people know Facebook Connect and Apple Connect and all these connects. We we developed the first Connect and those, but then these these have developed because every site has agreed and it's come up with standards. But we 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 developed a way where it, it didn't need all that. Yeah. And it was yeah. uh, it was actually uh, in fact that's why we ended up getting into a into a I guess you could say a. Uh, I, I um an epic or at least that's not the right word, but a uh uh a conflict over the future over visions for the future of the internet yeah. uh with Facebook. Uh, oh, so I, I so I you know, we Facebook really had a vision of a closed closed yes. internet yeah, where they yeah, controlled yeah, yeah. controlled it was yeah. a walled garden yeah, 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 where yeah. they controlled yeah. everything and they controlled your message and they controlled your data yeah, 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 and we yeah. had this completely different vision of an open internet and it was growing faster at the time. Ooh. And it, we got into Facebook spent, uh, well, they were protecting, they were, they were protecting their vision yeah. and they spent billions of dollars, you know, on lawyers and legal fees, threatening everyone to stop, to, to, to help their vision. And that, that of course is a whole, well, that's all documented yeah. in stories of, of our, of my 10 year battle with, uh, with Facebook that went all the way to the Supreme court over ownership and control of your data. Um, and a 10 year battle in the Supreme court with Facebook. Well, it eventually ended in the Supreme Court, but that's a whole other uh, story. But they, uh, yeah. they basically, uh, you know, they squashed our vision uh, through legal and channels because it technically couldn't be stopped. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, but that's a whole other story. But it, uh, but you know, the, you know, as I was getting back to is that yeah, automation is what we were yeah, talking about. Yeah. Is we had developed uh, a really powerful scripts that developers could use our script language, which. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, that's what HTML was—a script language yeah. that. So we had developed a new script language, and 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 also the ability to write your own, uh, you know, mm -hmm. essentially uh, uh, macros that could do anything anywhere. That's what Windows does. There are macros that interoperate programs. So we were making the whole internet interoperable without everyone having to agree on API or standards. And it was so wait 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 what what was what was Facebook involvement of the API standardization? Well, Facebook well, was trying to. I take a different approach, which is everything happens in the world of Facebooks, yeah. or you connect to Facebook yeah, with yeah. A, you know with our APIs, and then you can access Facebook. Google was trying to have an open-ended standard, but they wanted everyone to agree, which is why it never got anywhere. And so we took a third approach, which is let's just uh, do the. There's already one standard that everybody on the internet uh, is that already works. It's a universal standard, and that's yeah. that users can log in and can go use the internet. So let's just emulate users and yeah. create a script language that you can write anything that emulates a user and do anything a thousand so steps. You, uh, have you heard of Urbit before? Urbit, you got. You should definitely talk to them because yeah. they're trying to do that now. They're they're basically doing that now with a whole new operating system. Whole they went. They decided. Okay, you know the whole the the current paradigm of Unix and Linux and all this different stuff is really old, uh, and uh, and it's like no longer uh, relevant now that we know so much about computer science. So they redesigned the whole 
whole internet based yeah. on a whole peer-to-peer -peer operating system with a whole new operating system okay. that uh, is is peer-to-peer -peer permissionless and and is running up and gets yeah. out of R and D. Well, a lot of, a lot of things they go if they go too far trying yeah. to go outside what yeah, people yeah, are using, what the masses are using, yeah, which might be they, a they, which is what they yeah. they end up there. There have been so many projects they never they never get any traction. What we did is we we said let's work with the existing sites. Mm. Uh, so let's we, mm. so we our first three products we created a connect technology. Yeah. So it was a, we would basically uh, using our script library we would write our own intelligence to communicate with the other site. Yeah. So we, we wrote our own connect script yeah. for each site. So we wrote a connect script to every to your to all your different sites. Yeah. So when you so users could connect. In, so when they logged into our site, this was power.com. Yeah. It was a power oh. power. Uh, it was always our brand, power, uh -huh. power.com. Interesting. Uh, and it, so it, when you logged in, it logged it automatically logged into all your email accounts, all your uh, social media accounts, all your messengers, everything. And it, and it, and it brought them all. So they were, there was an omnipresent, there was an omnipresent or always connected. It was always connected. And as you surf the web, mm -hmm. uh, anybody could write apps that made any site an app on any other site. Mm -hmm. And then we also had our own uh, web browser. Uh, so, so we developed a browser, but it was yeah. a web-based browser within the browser. So you yeah. didn't have to you know, stop using it. So it was a proxy browser inside. Yeah, it, that. So somebody's done this now on Urbit as well. So they've so yeah, 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 with the proxy browser, people yeah. could now actually reprogram and remix and mash up any site you went to. Yeah. So when you were in our browser, you could I could take YouTube and make YouTube an app inside as a button on any other sites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this we were uh, we were developing a whole new vision of the internet, and it was you know, 25 million users. Uh, because we had a few viral uh, features uh, that were so. What year was this? Uh, this was in two thousand six, two thousand seven, wow, two thousand eight. Uh, so we had also yeah. this. Actually, was interesting. So this is actually I I built this in Brazil. <laughs> so uh, this was actually one of the first. Was the first we were. So I had just I, we, we kind of jumped ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, in, in the evolution of my uh, story, no, my uh, yeah. nomadic uh, and yeah. digital nomad living. So just uh, I uh -huh. just so. It, Throughout the 90s, I was just playing around with whatever stuff. But by 2000, uh, you know, that's when things were completely everything you could you could move freely. So by 2001, when I had the freedom, I uh, mm -hmm. I, st I came I came to Brazil mm -hmm. actually mm -hmm. at the end of 2000. So I was wandering around the world from 2001, 2002, uh, and then uh, 2003 I came to Brazil. Yeah, uh, and, and we actually set up uh, using those things with set up our virtual U.S. offices. And in where did you live in Brazil? Uh, I lived here actually in Salcohada, right down okay, the street. Okay, <laughs> uh, so right, this has been. I lived right in the beach house. I had just finished my last company. I was uh -huh. taking a break. Yeah. I had, I, I went through the 2000 crash, which was yeah, quite yeah, yeah. Uh, tragic. Yeah, uh, you know, at least from it's not so tragic. I look back on it, but yeah. it was at the time it seemed like the end of the world, like yeah, yeah. that crashes do, and when you're when you're going through them. Yeah. Um. Uh, but yeah, we lost. We all our companies lost massive value, yeah. and we went through different stuff but i i finally had my kind of exit in 2003 and i was i found myself for the first time completely free mm. uh so i i came down to brazil mm. mostly got a personal uh, uh -huh. yeah, interest yeah. i just yeah, yeah. i always had a strong connection yeah brazilian culture yeah. and i love i'm a i love dance and, oh, and okay. music so uh -huh. I uh, was really into, uh, you know, I wanted to come down and learn the language. Yeah, the same thing. Yeah, pursue yeah, my yeah. passion for dance, yeah. music, and other things. Uh -huh. And I got, and meanwhile, I said, I got a beach house here uh -huh. uh, in, uh, right down the street here. And, yeah, and, uh, and I set up, uh, as an entrepreneur, I couldn't stay long before I set up an incubator there. Uh, and I started to think about what I want to do next. Yeah. And, and I realized that we set up Vonage phones, uh, you know, uh -huh. Vonage, 
IP phones with it, which were stable. And this is before even Skype came out. Uh, Susan twos or Skype had just come out to but, get around the international roaming fees. Well, the uh, yeah, yeah, the Vonage phones yeah, yeah. where you yeah. take these box, you plug it into yeah. an internet connection, yep. and you and you and so we set up off we set up an office, and we we realized that instead of hiring remote teams, yeah, we would some. hire teams here, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we just set up uh, at our house, and we started building projects and started innovating and incubating, and and I started playing around with with stuff, which eventually led to launching Power in 2006. So Interesting. Well, I was, I'd say the first two years I was way, just way too distracted. Just, I was, I was enjoying, kind of exploring life and yeah, living. And, yeah. But I, but I did have a, you know, I was, I had a serious office there. We were yeah. working, uh, but eventually that project took a life of its own. Uh, and I thought I was going to go back to the Silicon Valley once I had, you know, momentum on yeah, something yeah, and I would yeah, go back yeah, and yeah. build it. Yeah. But I, I quickly realized that it's kind of the opposite. You, uh, yeah, they, I, well, I, I actually had one of one of my other great revelations, uh, which uh, I think today we take for granted. Mm. But um, there was this weird, this kind of completely irrational uh, way of thinking that people from uh, uh, generally from set, from uh, innovation centers like yeah. New York yeah, or yeah, San Francisco, yeah, yeah. Yeah. or even in Brazil, it's the people from Sao Paulo oh, yeah. or Rio. They have this completely irrational belief that uh, that they're somehow uh, have are more talented. Not, I don't know, not everyone, but yeah. it's generally this yeah. feeling that's kind of like we're the center of the world. Yeah. And everything, if it's not happening here, it doesn't that's, happen. It can't happen exist. anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And that all talent is here. It's quite actually, it's, it's so, I maybe I even believed that for, for a while. Uh, when I first came to Brazil, I, uh, I, I kept, you know, I was really unimpressed with the, uh, uh, the talent yeah. I was meeting. Yeah. But I, in 2006, I realized the problem was not. The, the talent that that talent the everyone total, world. Yeah, yeah. but it was actually my problem to. was me yeah, yeah, and the, the problem yeah, was yeah, two yeah, things yeah. first of all i didn't yeah. speak portuguese Ooh, well enough uh yeah. to to have Fine. conversations with 99 yeah. percent of the people yeah, yeah, yeah. second i was not out there lucky people were coming to me yeah there were self-selected yeah, people who spoke english who were coming to me oh can i have a job or yeah, can yeah, i can yeah, you yeah. invest in my company yeah and uh, and i started and they were generally i found that Interesting. So the, the yeah. there's a general thing. This is true all over the world. The better, first of all, in a country where 99 percent of the people speak little or no English, yeah. uh, you know, which is most of the world. I mean, even most people around the world. I mean, although there are some countries where there's higher English speaking yeah. schools, uh, there are others still the the it's people low. that speak really good English, especially in Brazil. Are, are generally people that were uh, somehow entitled yeah. and had the opportunity to go to rich yes. private schools. Yeah, and good. so they were a self-selected yeah. group that grew up in a culture where believing that they were, uh, you know, that, that they were entitled yeah. to job opportunities, yeah. entitled to many things, and then believing that they had some kind of advantage to go and speak to people around the world yeah. and, and, and have opportunities. But that is, those are not even, if you list, if you just think about this yeah. logically, uh, I believe talent is just nat natural talent, which I believe in much so much yeah, more than yeah, yeah. than training. Yeah. Uh, training can build on that. Yeah, is yeah. so much more valuable, so much more important than, uh, and is distributed equally around the world, in in and not just yes. in cities. Interesting. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. but people, depending on where they are, they'll make the most of their own life situation in whatever city. So they may not have ever had exposure to computers or yeah. internet or tech stuff or know anything, mm. especially 10 years, 20 years ago. Mm. And so they, mm. they were doing the best opportunities in their, in their community. And it's enough smart, brilliant people find other smart, brilliant people in their communities. 
and they're you know, no, they grew up in their schools. They'll find the kids in their school yep. that think the way they do, and yep. they'll kind of create these pockets of innovation. And That's super uh, interesting. I don't know. In two thousand six, while I when I was like completely, I'm like I'll never be able to find the team that the talent that I'm looking for. I uh, I had kind of a revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it was kind of a serendipitous moment. Yeah. But I uh, yeah. I realized that you know if if the, maybe the, maybe I'm doing I'm thinking about this all the wrong way. I, I, you know, I'm in this country of 200 million people, uh-huh. and, you know, and, 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 I'm, and, and the talent that I find are, are basic people that are coming to me. Yeah. By then, I also was, you know, was speaking English. Yeah. I've taken Portuguese, you know, you know, much better. Yeah. I'd been here a few years. I was, uh-huh. you know, so I, I could, I could get by pretty well. Uh, I could communicate pretty well. And, uh, you know, we didn't have the luxury of, of, of Google Translate working. Yeah. <laughs> and it felt times to to write emails, so yeah. you had to like, speak now, the language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, today we that's another thing we take for granted that uh-huh. we can truly communicate with anyone anywhere and be understood at a pretty high level. Uh, but so I, uh, I I realized that you know what there's a yeah. so you know, in the Silicon Valley we have this thing called uh, aqua hires and you find yeah. these teams yeah, building products and yeah. you buy it and I, I realized that. You, uh, you know what? I, well, here's what I can do. It's like, I I realized the problem is 99% of the talent don't speak English, have never gone to, mm. they never had the opportunity to develop their talents or to even believe that they that they are entitled uh, to uh, to like be you yes, know given all these great opportunities right. in life and that and they don't even realize just how brilliant they are. And yeah. in fact, the greatest talent are the most humble yeah. and they're doing the most purest innovation. And so I, I actually found, I said, why don't I do a different strategy? Why don't I, why don't I go on to Alexa, uh, Alexa and see the top 100 sites in Brazil that have got traction. Uh, traction. You know, I, whatever they did, they figured out some way to yeah. get people to come to their website. And, and, and then let me separate all the non, the foreign sites. Let me just yeah. look at all the Brazilian sites. Yeah. And, 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 then, and then let me like go look at those projects. They were like local projects, a real estate project, a local community project interesting projects that people had executed. Then I'm going to go look at their product decisions that they made. You know, in this case, I was specifically looking at people that were somehow still, you know, mm-hmm. programmers or, mm-hmm. you know, or texts in some way they, yeah. they figured, or they just figured out with their, their, uh, natural yeah, capabilities, yeah. how to create websites and how to launch stuff how to, yeah. with nothing. Mm-hmm. And I started, uh, kind of reaching, reaching out and finding the, uh, reaching out, uh, uh, kind of looking at these, looking at all these projects and yeah. products. So I ended up finding one one product, interestingly enough, uh, that was was a it was kind of a an app, a simple app, but for sending messages uh, that was inside the social networks. Uh-huh. That and it was it was actually it was it was it was actually the similar stuff that I was arriving to from all my thinking that a ten years experience about optimizing conversion rates. Someone had actually developed this uh, a programmer in Bahia mm. had developed you know in, in, a, in, a, in a I guess outside. Outside Salvador, in a small rural, in a like a suburb yeah, yeah. Of, of Salvador, uh-huh. uh, had developed probably the most brilliant execution of what I was developing, but so much better. Uh, <laughs> and he had executed it, and it was working, and it was already getting getting yeah. tracks, you know, tiny traction inside. It was a messaging application for sending uh, messages to multiple people. Uh-huh. Uh, it was a really simple thing, and he was kind of playing around with the same concepts that I was developing. Yeah. And I and I was like. And I, so I, so I did what I, I, I made this message that when I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to just send an email. Whenever I, I, I was actually contacting like five or six different projects. Uh, and I would, I would write this long email with questions, uh, uh rather than like contact and, and, and have a bias. Cause I, I don't speak Portuguese well, yeah. or, 
whatever else. And I would write, I would find out their email and send them a message. And I would write, I would send like 50, 30, 40 questions about their projects and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And interesting enough, some people would be like, who are you? Why are you yeah, like yeah, contacting yeah, him? Yeah, but yeah. Uh, this person, like he was so brilliant. Yeah. He, first of all, he responded that I, like literally, I, I, I just got back from a party. Yeah. I was like late night. I was inspired that night. I had a lot of energy. I found, happened to discover this message. I wrote all these questions, went to sleep. When I woke up, there was a big response with like <laughs> to all my questions. It was uh-huh. the most brilliant innovation and insight yeah. and thinking I'd ever, ever met in any programmer that I, you know, I had ever written Silicon Valley. And I, this guy, and I was like, I got like, literally, it's like, this is, by the way, this guy, this guy ended up becoming my, my, uh, you know, my co-founder yeah. and, uh, and my, uh, and my CTO. And it was probably the, you know, it was, it, it was amazing. So we ended up, uh, basically, you know, meeting, meeting. Uh, we spent like three days talking. We literally like sharing. It was like we were, you know, it's kind of like yeah, when you meet yeah, your, yeah, yeah. when you meet a co-founder, when yeah. you meet a, you know, so when you're working on a project, yeah. you know, it's the missing piece when you're developing, especially when you're a product person often and you're a product innovator, but you, technical person, uh, yeah. a really, yeah. like a truly visionary uh, yeah, thinker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so this person, we ended up, uh, long story short, we ended up meeting. I was actually uh, just about to leave Brazil permanently. Yeah. I had, I'd given up. I like, I'm going to move on, go back to, I'm going to go to China for two years. I had, I was going to go live with the Shaolin monks. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I actually was going to go train in my Chinese. I had it all worked out. I was in contact by email with yeah. the, with the Shaolin temple. Uh, <laughs> and they were waiting for me to come and I was going to come, come back. But I, uh, I, I needed to, uh, I, I kind of just like, okay, I'm going to keep working on my idea and just develop it. And I kind of work on it privately while, while I'm in China, kind of, Training, side. training, you know, spiritual training and <laughs> doing other things. I, uh, so I, uh, but uh, literally on my last two days, I met, we met, I had, actually, I had just, I was already out of Brazil for that matter. I was already, I had come down just for a week for carnival. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was, I was, I was back in the Silicon Valley and I was uh, already left Brazil. I had already uh-huh. shut down everything here and I was like, I had nothing here. I literally was the last thing. I just came back for a week. I forgot the reason why it must uh-huh. have been. Uh, I can't remember if it was, you know, if I was in love or something else. <laughs> or, but I came back for a week yeah, yeah, <laughs> for yeah. something for during carnival. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, but um, and I met. We met. It was like on my last day in Bali or here. No, he came. I I, yeah, I bought yeah, him a ticket here, to yeah. come down here. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was just, uh, and he came down. It's like we sat. We day. We just. It was like a literally. I said, okay, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm leaving. Like, can I, can like, let's just start, let's hire, I'll hire you. I'll start paying you a, a small, a small salary, uh-huh. uh, small, small salary. So you could, like, he was, you know, so you can like take slowly phase out of your, your, your company. And that day he was, uh, working, uh, it was kind of like the, those company. It was like the Infosys of Brazil. Yeah. All good programmers generally yeah, worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so not surprisingly, he was working on the platforms team. So, uh, and all the, the best platform programmers were all under him working there. Eventually, we hired they all those people. Uh, so we hired all the the best platform programmers. And interesting. Um, yeah. But I was going back to my point earlier. So first of all, here, here's an interesting thing about all the all the. We ended up uh, to make a long story short. We ended up uh, building uh, that. This became the nucleus of building uh, Power.com. Yeah. Um, he he didn't. He barely spoke English. Yeah. Well, most most programmers in these times had never spoken English. They 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 knew. They could get by on sites because they, you know, programming stuff. They needed to research things, yeah. but you know, they could. They never spoke. They never had any reason to speak anyone yeah, yeah. because they, there's nobody speaks English. They they, they yeah, don't yeah, study yeah, English yeah. in school. Yeah. They went to. I also noticed yeah, another interesting, interesting thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Either they were kind of homegrown entrepreneurs uh, doing stuff on their own, 
or they had they were they were at the uh, they were at the public yeah, public yeah, universities yeah, yeah, yeah. and who where nobody told them how great how how yeah, great their minds were they yeah. were just training to get to work in the public sector well, uh, and, and that probably still exists today still exists yeah, today yeah, i mean yeah, still yeah. unfortunately exists yeah. all over the world yeah, so it's yeah, the same yeah. it's in india for was just like this for all over the world this you know today obviously the world is a little different there's yeah. more role models that you can find online yeah. to go alternate paths as an entrepreneur. Yeah. But 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, nothing. in Brazil, 20 years ago was nothing. Yeah. In India, 30, 40 years ago, yeah. I mean, being a bureaucrat was the greatest job you can have. <laughs> and uh, all the greatest programmers got, you know, because they were the smartest minds. They got the best test scores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They went to the best public the schools. Job. Yeah, and because yeah. they were public schools, they didn't have to pay for those yeah. schools. So they 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 not they were a self selected group yeah. of humble yeah. you know people that came from humble backgrounds had no privilege no opportunity and this is pretty much still the world on a, it's although not on the same level as it was before yeah yeah, yeah. maybe a you couple know, percentage still change, still but, yeah. still the way the world works in Africa mm-hmm. in all over the you know in Asia and even in India yeah. although there's a lot more entrepreneurial role models yeah uh, even Brazil there's a lot more entrepreneurial role models mm-hmm. but still most people still uh, mm-hmm. if you look at the numbers <laughs> they still you know get going to uh, you know going your your ticket to success in life is just how well you do on these on these on these uh, public yeah. public uh, service and that's set, then that's the rest of your life at, or getting path. into the public schools yeah mm-hmm. yeah so that was interesting uh, so anyways not surprisingly, I, I found two ways to find talent. One was uh, was find it was kind of well. Once you found a few a few really great talents, yeah, then they're they they start. You just ask you ask them like the, the first rule I learned in sales yeah, yeah. when I was my first sales thing when I was a teenager. Yeah. Okay, write down the five. I would always ask every program, tell me the five or ten most amazing, brilliant people yeah. you've ever met in your life. Yeah. I don't care what they make or if they're not impossible to hire. Yeah, and like. Oh, there was this boss I had, but he's an imposter. I said, just write down their names. <laughs> write down their names. Uh-huh. Write down, you know, like, oh, this professor at the university was amazing. Uh, and, 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 and so <laughs> within the next two years, we hired we hired all, all these great people. Every time we hired them, we hired the five best people because yeah. great people know other great yeah. people. It doesn't matter where in the world they are. Yeah. If you grow up, you're going to find in your community. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's two people, three people, four people. Once upon a time, you know, uh, uh. Paul Allen found, and Bill Gates found each other at their school and were inseparable because they were the only two that understood each other. Mm. Maybe they found a few more other people in their city, but at their school, they were like, I had that. And you know, when I was a kid, I had the, you know, the kid in my school that taught me yeah. how to use the internet. And we became, <laughs> you know, we did all of our uh, geeky things, uh, you know, at the same school. Uh, you know, there's always one other kid in your school or one other kid in your community mm-hmm. uh, that you end up, mm-hmm. that you respect, especially brilliant minds find Growing up, they have a small community, and as they get older and they go to university, they have maybe ten or fifty. You have five or ten of these people. As they start working in the mm-hmm. in the in the professional world, they have a few people that just were different, like mm-hmm. them. And even though they didn't have a way out, they they always kind of kept it kept tabs on that. Totally. And so we we ended up uh, just before we long, we had almost you know we had almost two hundred people, and it was probably I had never had a, an aggregation of so much great talent. Yeah, yeah. And this is why we ended up building and so much. Were innovation. you all remote, or were you all in? No, no. Yeah, remote yeah, stuff yeah. never worked <laughs> in those days. I just built where I was. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could work, but it was it was to build something serious. Yeah, uh, be, be, it, the moment you get it was it, it, it. I mean, you could, but it was just harder. So it was all in Rio. It was all in. So we ended up uh, we ended up building out a huge huge stuff in in Salvador oh, and in Rio. So we had two offices. Well, at first we were bringing everyone to Rio because yeah, it was yeah, that yeah, yeah. that 
fun Get mentality it. of thinking. Yeah. We had yeah. to bring it to Rio yeah. and still, yeah. but eventually realized, God, all the talent is there. Why not go well, there? Well, all our, all the talent that we, have, because we, we already have a momentum of talent, yeah. we've created a critical mass. All the smart people in, yeah. in Salvador and Bahia and at these, at these companies, these, these huge companies, they had friends. So they started hearing about us and we started, so we all of a sudden were able to start uh, we had, and we also had, we also, by the way, we, we raised, uh, mm. so in 2007, we raised our, uh, uh, we, we became the first, I think it was the first Latin American company and definitely the first Brazilian company to ever raise uh, venture capital funding from top, top tier Silicon uh, Valley VCs. And was this before the crash or after? This was before, this was 2006, 2006, okay. 2006, we had angels, I, because I, I had contacts. Nobody here in Brazil would even yeah, yeah, like invest. Yeah, all, all my invest my, my first investors yeah. were all angels from the Silicon Valley that yeah. knew me. And then by 2007, uh, so we had, uh, you know, first of all, 90% of VCs I, like in the, in the Silicon Valley, literally, not 90%, 99.99%. Yeah. Uh, well, there were a few that would give me a few calls, but then they're like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, you're, yeah, just not. you're not in Silicon Valley. You're, you're in the US? Yeah. No, you're, you're not. No, I, I, I'm in Rio de Janeiro. Uh, and, yeah. and you're building what you're building a company that you want to compete against Microsoft and uh -huh. Google and, and Facebook <laughs> with a new vision for an operating right. system for the internet yeah. and the future and a new way of uh, this concept of apps and yeah. you're building a platform for building apps and all these different things and and, and, yeah. and yeah I'm saying yeah you don't understand we literally have the hundred greatest I could never aggregate this kind of talent for that price because in the yeah. U.S. Yeah. the talent exists yeah. but they're 200 companies competing, yeah. so they're distributed yeah. across companies. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just get them all in one company. Yeah. And I was literally, every team I'd find that was building on a cool project, I would yeah. just hire them all. Yeah. Aqua hires that yeah. cost me nothing. Yeah. I would just hire the teams and like give them, we'd give them a little equity. Yeah. Uh, plus, they'd all have stock options. that strategy could still work today? It still works today yeah. around the world, and yep. there's still so many teams, and I've, I still use it. I still, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's most of the, the reality is that while, while more people can break free, 90 most people there's there's another layer that are equally good yeah. that are just that are not that are not quite there there's, there's always talent and that because the thing is most most talented people everywhere in the world including yeah. today even although there's although there are more channels to find uh mm. find ways out they might even be more aware of things it's yeah. still hard to break out you know most people don't naturally go out and and, ha and look for stuff. a lot of talented idea. people don't aren't naturally born salesmen. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, well, there are some that are yeah. salesmen that will go out and cold call yeah. people. And, yeah, and most of them aren't. In fact, I met so many of these entrepreneurs over the years when I was was running my incubator. They yeah. they cold called me, and they yeah. I'd get a hundred things, and there'd always be a few that stand out, and they were eighteen yeah. year old, nineteen yeah. year old, twenty year olds, and like Felipe, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 Felipe, yeah. and like uh, they were, you know, I mean, and, and many of these entrepreneurs have gone on to build become. You know, I, I, interesting enough, I, I've always been searching the world for great, for like brilliant minds and meeting them and in the most unexpected places at the <laughs> earliest places. Yeah. You know, I met, uh, I met oh. Travis Kalanick uh, oh. when it was, we worked, we were, when he was, when he was a student, uh, I, I found him, you know, I, I was like, uh, found, found him at the UCLA campus and we ended up, uh, you know, spending a lot, few months, you know, chatting about Scour. Yeah, and uh, we, <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, obviously, I remember in the, in the '90s, because I was in the Bay Area, God, I met all the, you know, I mean, I, I tried, I was trying to hire, uh, you know, Max Levchin as my CTO when he just uh, came came into the uh, Silicon Valley, literally arrived from Illinois. You know, he ended up going and building, 
and working on it on, on PayPal instead, yeah. uh, which uh, was Confinity at the uh, time. Uh, and I mean, there's dozens of people like that I that I hide that worked with me or worked on my teams and have long gone. I mean, that's part of. I think that the more that you go off the beaten path looking, yeah. Yeah. and you know the indicators for finding talent, for finding things, or for and you also kind of have that same passion, you're going to find and connect with people way earlier than when they when they have momentum when they become known. And everyone, I mean, there were dozens of, mm. of great minds, you know, that are today, you know, people that <laughs> that are billionaires today, that are billionaire entrepreneurs that uh. I've met over the years and that, you know, we've worked, we, we shared deep, intimate experiences, life experiences, you know, some cases traveling around the world together, living in hostels together, uh. Uh, you know, sleeping on each other's sofas, on my sofa in New York and Brazil, people who came down, entrepreneurs that have gone on, uh. Uh, obviously, uh, when... Uh, you know, the founders of comedy companies, you too, all these things. Everybody that's come down to Brazil over the years, it's funny, I always, they, so many people have stayed at my uh, place or we've had interactions and met over in different situations. I mean, I, I could literally list like 50 companies, uh, some that we just happened to spend a lot of quality time uh -huh. helping each other out or interacting with others that we collaborated in some ways, others that worked for me, mm. uh, and I worked for my previous companies, others that I, we, we kind of, whatever, just different stories. But the point is, is a talent, find each other everywhere <laughs> if you, uh, yeah. and um, yeah. obviously I have a lot more experience in identifying and, and, and talking to people and going out to places where, where natural talent kind of are searching for. Mm. And so I've always been, you know, and I also have come up with a ton of strategies yeah. uh to to uh to, for lack of a better word to fish <laughs> to fish yeah, and yeah. find find projects and yeah. find teams and find people yeah, i do mass marketing on uh you know on mm -hmm. on uh up, up work and elads communities yeah. where i send out to thousand people for a job i do these test jobs mm -hmm. but I, I i write it in a way where everyone who's where i see that i find the people that are actually just do hustling on the side but are brilliant talent yeah and i've i, I mean i can find talent anywhere any place anywhere in the world yeah, yeah. now and the great thing today is we have millions of people connected you know everyone who's talented has to still you know like it's like the old uh, wa the waitresses the act the future actors and actresses uh -huh. and musicians working as waitresses or waiters in in restaurants you know that's what upwork is today yes for a lot of people yeah. uh, people people are those the you know, mixed between the freelancers that, that like to do that and mixed um, between uh -huh. that there are brilliant entrepreneurs, brilliant programmers, and that's and they're they're hustling to pay their bills wherever they are in the world. And so yeah, the answer is that it's easier today to find talent everywhere and anywhere crazy. than ever before. And if and I've developed proven tactics and teams for building teams and finding talent anywhere, any mm. place that are tried and true that I've used in you know in brazil i've used all over the world uh, over the years and uh it's just it's, it's amazing so i would love to talk about brazil specifically just because we're here yeah and maybe please. like take another 10 minutes or so and, oh, yeah, no and and so like what draws you to brazil what is it about brazil that's so enticing yeah well i think uh i think in the 90s so i uh that must have been so crazy in the 90s. you know my yeah. interesting enough when i was in high school i was an exchange student and i always realized that uh, i was always connected first of all to the foreign students yeah I, they, they were always i always found that when they were in the u.s or uh, or when i i was actually in soviet union as an exchange student when i was 15 Whoa. Uh, in 1990 in, where? in 1991 in moscow i was or? actually in petrozovotsk uh, -huh. uh which was a small town uh, near the finnish border in Karelia. Okay. interesting uh which uh which i which i'm sure that uh 
yeah, Finland would love to, you know, Call Finland would love to yeah. get the, get that place, get it back one day. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But you know, that's a whole other story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, uh, but anyways, we, uh, but I lived in, I lived in a small. It was an, ex- it was an exchange for students, so I lived with family. Mm-hmm. But I did actually, interestingly enough, uh, spend at the beginning of my trip. At the end, I was in uh, in a dorm uh, as a, you know, in Moscow and in Leningrad. Uh, mm-hmm. So, and then before they, before you go to the town, and uh, it's kind of funny. I, I, I looked and I, I. Uh, I I'm not so good at pronouncing it. Uh, the, this the the, the the Wagner leader. Uh, oh yeah yeah, yeah, so, yeah yeah. What's uh, his name? Pierre. Pierre. Pierre, Pierre yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I kind of was laughing because I saw that that the summer that the time when he had his like hot dog stands and uh-huh. everything in uh, in Leningrad was the time when I was hanging out with all the people with who had hot dog stands. All the entrepreneurs on the street that uh-huh. I would meet. They were the only people that would speak English so they yeah. could talk to me in Moscow and when I was in there. Yeah. And I laughed. I was saying I I was, I was like. I know in Moscow, I remember going out and hanging out with these guys. These these mostly mostly their men, uh, <laughs> because they were like they were enterprising entrepreneurs yeah, who were yeah, yeah. who spoke English. Yeah. And I was uh, I was like they were the only ones who talked to me, and they took me invited me over to their little parties, you know, where they hang out. And they had dollars. They were they had a lot of money because uh-huh. uh, they had more than everyone else, and they would take me around. Uh-huh. Like it's like kind of like the gangs. And or, this is before the fall. So. This is before. So I actually was yeah. in Soviet Union. When it wow. during the fall, so I was in. I was actually in Soviet Union when it became during that transition. Wow. Uh, so and I, uh, in addition to living with the family uh, in small towns, I, wow. I had two weeks in in uh, Moscow and two weeks in Leningrad at, at the end and the beginning. Wow. So, <laughs> you know, living in a dormitory. But and then, how did we get there? How did we get to Moscow? Because you were talking about. So you asked about uh, yeah. well, about how I kind of. Yeah. yeah, so I, yeah, yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. First of all, I had always connected with exchange students yeah. and foreign. Cultures, and I found that people from other countries, when they're in a different country, they're a completely different mentality, and they're the kind of people. That's probably why I also spent two years of my life, you know, in youth hostels as a backpacker, mm-hmm. working from youth hostels and uh, living and, and experiencing life. And also, um, well, I've I've always kind of I've you know I've been through more than a hundred countries mm-hmm. uh, at some point, you know, touch touch foot in. Uh, you know, as a backpacker yeah. or, uh, you know, as a through work stuff, through other things, through as a digital nomad, uh, you know, uh, just to different situations. Uh, but uh, out of all the countries, uh, for whatever reason, the two two areas of the world that I had the strongest, I don't know, you say the connection with yeah. for different reasons uh-huh. was uh, Eastern Europe and interestingly enough, Russia, uh-huh. uh, Russia and Eastern Europe in general, actually Eastern European culture, Slavic culture. Yeah. Uh, Slavic culture yeah. and Latin culture, yeah. and then within Latin culture, uh, Brazil. Uh, you know, I, you know I, I was really throughout high school and throughout college. I, I, I partly because I just I, I love dancing. Yeah. I love music. Maybe that comes from my Indian uh, upbringing, mm. where you know we love we mm. just we grow up dancing and uh, music in the families. That's like what we do. It's part of our my parents. Everyone just love parties and dancing. It's a very happy people. And so I connect for every reason. I I connected deeply with Latin culture, and then uh, out of all the cultures, uh, the one that I really connected with in the '90s, mm. when I was in university, and I, you know, I, I literally would organize all the parties mm. with all the foreign students. It was a way for me to keep my social circle with yeah. hundreds of students. I I uh, connected uh, the uh, most deeply with Brazil. It, yeah, was the, yeah. it was it was the country that Brazil and East and then Eastern European countries were the two that I had the greatest connection with. Mm. And then I, so I had spent a lot of time in Eastern Europe. Mm. Uh, so I finally decided to come mm. down to, in, in 2000. So I started coming to Brazil to dance in the carnivals. Uh, Samba and, Nupe. And second also, because I was kind of, I used to DJ for fun. 
uh, music. I was really into music and exploring international music. And I really got into, so I used to come down to Brazil mm. and just go see all the music musicians and yeah, go yeah. to all the festivals uh -huh. and, you know, all, especially in Bahia, mm. uh, really the, the Bahian music. So I traveled through a lot through Bahia I used uh. to, would, and bring back new music and add it to my parties in the U.S. Uh -huh. So that was kind of how I ended up, I ended up just build almost organically started getting, you know, stronger connections to Brazil. And, you know, I, I did have obviously, uh, like big part of when you're exploring the world is you get into relationships yeah. and you have mm -hmm. deep yeah. relationships, which bring you closer to the culture yeah. and to the families, and you language, go and yeah. you meet the parents, spend time and you, you come down. So I did have, uh, you know, several relationships in the U S wow. with among many different yeah, countries, yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, with, with Brazilians yeah. and came to Brazil one time with my, with wow. my ex-girlfriend at the time. Wow. Uh, but then later on, it came many more years, you know, I came mostly for music and dancing and, now, when you say dancing, do you mean um, uh, partner dancing as well? I was I was exploring. No, uh, well, I was just a. Uh, I was, I I was really salt uh, in, in, in in Latin countries, yep. and then in Brazil, I was also you know it's really I was definitely exploring some of the you know, Brazilian music. I yeah. I danced lambada in the nineties, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, do you know that later on, fall you know, fall, oh, and there's okay. so many other mu yeah. musics and. Sub sub yeah. sub dances and subcultures of Zook. dance. Have you yeah. gotten into Zouk at all? Yeah, well, yeah, Zouk yeah. and Lombard yeah. they had some yeah, yeah. some yeah. some similarities. Yeah. That, that was more in the '90s. So I was yeah. I used to dance. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I used to have some really good moves. As uh -huh. I, I gained uh, some some notoriety in my among my circles. Uh -huh. <laughs> as as uh, you know, I was uh, definitely picked up a lot of moves over the years. Uh -huh. uh, every now and then, if I find a good partner. Uh, uh -huh. and I, but I, I was never trained. I just was like came from my passion. Uh -huh, so uh -huh. uh, and it was so when so I came down to the carnivals and then I actually used to help organize uh, with Mangueta uh, a, a section every year for many years. Over the yeah. years, I would I would continue to organize a section with the and I would dance every year. I know my hearts with Mangueta uh -huh. and uh, and so yeah. So I I, I guess it just it just seemed natural. And when I finally had my first like real break, I could literally. I had nothing, I had no company, I had nothing in 2003 that I, uh, to the end of 2002, I finally had this kind of, that I had this true one year, I guess you call it a sabbatical. Mm -hmm. I came down to Brazil mm -hmm. and I thought I would be here for one year uh -huh. and, uh, you know, really, really got into deep learning language yeah. and started exploring new things. I, at that time, I also started, I thought it would be really cool to, I was really into hip hop mm -hmm. also. Mm -hmm. I, I thought it, I wanted to learn enough to be able to appreciate the poetic Brazilian hip hop. Brazilian, you know, hip hop. Or it, it was really, it, it, maybe it still is, but but when I it was 2011, 2010, it yeah, was yeah. great, great. Hip yeah, there's always been, and then of course, yeah. hip hop and then funk, Brazilian yeah. funk, yeah. which kind of are there's there are a lot of overlap yeah. uh, with the two, and it was in the early days, and I was just, mm. so, so I I would uh, you know I, I had some interesting uh, life experiences, uh, yeah. you know, they dated. Some uh, funks. Did you go into Vigidal uh, before uh, the? Oh, the yeah, 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 everywhere. I've yeah, been yeah, to yeah, anything yeah. and everywhere yeah, you yeah, can imagine yeah. in Brazil. I've, over the years, I've had uh, kind of lived in uh, <laughs> MST communities. Oh, wow. I've, oh, wow. uh, <laughs> wow. Short periods. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I went yeah. out and like spent a few days and. Yeah. I lived in Vigigal before, uh, during pacification, actually yeah. went viral uh, writing about how they're how they're pacified and everything like that. Yeah. yeah. I've uh, I've definitely I've had quite deep experiences in Brazil. We could save that for another day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've uh, so you asked why how I got into Brazil. I got yeah. lot, many things in life are organic. 
you kind of it's like it's like meeting a meeting someone yeah. it's like falling in love with someone yeah, you, yeah. you know, the first time step. it's an infatuation yeah, yeah, yeah. you yeah. kind of have a chemistry that yeah. you can't explain in words you get butterflies in your stomach i mean that's how it is falling in love with a country yeah. i mean i am brazilian today mm -hmm. i so i've I, oh, i'm a brazilian citizen wow. uh, so i am a naturalized brazilian citizen my my kids have been born uh, you know, I've had uh, uh, kids that were born here. Uh, uh, you know, so uh, uh, you know, I'm, so I'm, a, I'm a single father with four kids uh, today. So, right. and my, you know, I, you know, raising my kids, and I, uh, I'm in, I guess, digital nomad 3.0. Uh, so, you know, 1.0 is like what you know, what you go around and you're trying to working remotely yeah. and you're doing stuff, and yeah, maybe even building a company. That's like. You know, two point You know, I think you're instead of just like doing freelancing and other stuff, I mean, <laughs> you're like uh, uh, able to build whole companies and uh, you know, like build your whole life, not have any compromises yeah. uh, in any way, and have the stability and be finding ways around. And I, I say, because three point is now raising a family and kids and traveling the world and yeah, building building yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, schools and uh, you know, so everything that I've done, I have you know, I have uh, we could do a whole have my whole kids on yeah. on how you know raising raising a family. You know, my kids have been uh, you know grown up. You know, we've been lived in you know five different countries. Where? You know, they you know they speak uh, Mandarin, English, Portuguese, and uh, Spanish. They Mandarin? Uh, they've been going to Mandarin schools uh, since since they were since they were young, and I've always had also a Mandarin teacher for them. Uh, so in Brazil. Uh, well, in Brazil, so I, yeah, officially I had, you know, when they were just born, I, I had, a, I had like a Mandarin teachers that were, and then, uh, then, then, uh, then we went back to the, at one point we were back in the U.S. for a year. They went yeah. to Mandarin preschool and Mandarin kindergarten. And then, and then coincidentally, when we moved back to Brazil again, yeah. 2020, the Mandarin, the, the, the Chinese, the Chinese, uh, international, international school opened yeah. up. Yeah. And then, uh, when we lived in Argentina, just coincidentally, the only, it was a public uh, uh, Mandarin immersion school in our, in Buenos Aires. They were yeah. at the only Mandarin immersion school. Uh, they're at the point at the moment, uh, we're, we're living in, in Madrid. Uh -huh. Um, and, uh, we don't, so we're going, we're going to, we're going to, what I'm getting, I'm getting is a, uh, uh, which is great. You can, they have the ability to get a, uh, intern, um, not intern, uh, yeah, uh, uh, pair. So I have all, uh, Europe has the au pair visa, yeah. so you can actually have an au pair for about about three hundred and fifty dollars a month, uh -huh. uh, and, and they can they, live, they can live with your family, and yeah. so they have Chinese au pairs, uh, teachers that you can bring from China, uh -huh. and they already have a community of people and then helping, so so you can have a full time. Uh, so since they don't have a school there, yeah, and then uh, when we get back to the U.S., they'll go back, they'll return to Mandarin immersion schools, which are pretty standard in the U.S. So Mandarin, Portuguese, English, anything Spanish, else? And Spanish, Spanish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've lived in, we've lived in, uh, with my, go ahead. So being out, so it's a whole nother dimension. Uh, yeah. It's one thing, you know, you know, being wandering around the world and working remotely as a freelancer. Yeah. yeah with a, I think, with which, which I did for, for that, you know, for yeah. a long time. Then to, instead of thinking about the mentality that I'm living abroad, you, wherever you are, you just build your life around that. Yeah. You build a company, you build that. So you don't, you're not really, working remotely, you're building your company, you're hiring people, you're doing that. So you don't really, so I didn't, so therefore you, you don't have the early on, it was harder to be remotely. So I built, instead I recreated the house, everything I needed, uh, wherever I was. And that's how we built power at that time. And it was hundred percent Brazilian company. And, you know, it was, just happened to have investors from Silicon Valley. And then later on, I, you know, was incubating projects. I'd bring the teams, I'd find people and I just incubate them here. And then they'd, they, they, some would go to the U.S. and get some funding. Some would stay here. Some would 
go back to their uh, home country, whether it be people, whatever. That was throughout the teens when I was doing incubation and raising my kids. I, I had uh, I had two kids actually on my own uh, with surrogates, uh, with with uh, with surrogates and egg donor. Uh, so so I actually similar to Ricky Martin and uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh-huh. So I guess it was the same. I, I uh, so I uh, ended up uh, in raising. You know, so I had had my uh, two. My my twins, oh. uh, and um, so I've been. So then I've had to create uh, my own schools, online schools, and create, you know, have build build, you know, combinations. So that kids today they have uh, half their curriculum is actually um, at the wherever we're living. So in yeah. the case right now they're at school in in Madrid, uh-huh. uh, you know. So they're they're they go to school there, and then they there's a consistent U.S. curriculum. Uh, that they well, or, or oh, other man. other subjects that are not covered in school, yeah, or just whatever they they have. And is like, that to get to university so that they can go well, to university? I, mean, I don't even no. talk about that. I'm just yeah, giving yeah, them yeah. their opportunity to, you know, like, because there's just certain things that are not in school. So, like, well, specifically, the, since we will probably go back to the U.S. and they they want to, they're, they're they happen to be doing really well and they're they're good. <laughs> yeah, they, they've. Uh, I guess the pandemic actually helped quite a lot. Yeah, but, because it the concept of kids doing things online and they have totally resources different. available yeah, yeah, yeah. and they were, they happened to be part of that first generation. They were, you know, the pandemic happened while they were in kindergarten. So yeah, yeah, yeah. kindergarten or first grade, so they had first grade, so they were online anyways. So it actually, so I, I was, I was already kind of doing that, but it kind of actually yeah. helped validate yeah. uh, what, what we had already, yeah. actually me and my friends had been doing for years. Yeah. We'd been creating our, you know, we'd find uh, Preply, which is a great yes, platform yes, for finding before, teachers, yeah. and uh, and in fact, Elance. Uh, I mean, yeah. uh, Upwork. I find teachers, and you know, it's amazing. I've, I've found so you great... found teachers on Upwork as well. I found teachers everywhere. That's I found I found maids on Upwork. I found I found people to do to solve, you know, random random yeah. problems yeah. In, in random countries around the world in emergencies when I had to like and I find people to solve offline problems, but I. You know, went through places that I could find maybe people talents. I found I've hired quote virtual assistants who became on the ground people in cities around the world solving problems. I, oh, that's <laughs> a good point. That's one of my friends is doing something interesting. That's what he should do. That's a really good idea. I've moonlighted uh, across uh, over the years. I've moonlighted solving crisis, yeah. Yeah. expensive crisis problems for companies and people around the world. Interesting. <laughs> yes. Because you can find people. This is I'm really yeah, really yeah. resourceful, and yeah, I yeah. I. I Sometimes friends have been in problems, or yeah. and I've been through so many life experiences, and sometimes it just happens in yeah. situations. I mean, from kidnappings wow. to <laughs> to people getting, you know, people uh, to uh, uh-huh. you know, for people have been in situations where they've like legally, get, yeah. they've gotten you know really complicated situations, especially in Brazil, yeah, yeah, yeah. but outside, even other yeah. countries, I can within seconds I know how to build a team. You know, I can hire. I, I'll, I'll go to a country. I'll call an Uber and recruit that Uber driver to do another task. In, in any country, in any city in the world, within minutes, you know. That's interesting. That's a <laughs> and, you know, like I'll call him, then I'll call him back, and then I'll talk to him on the phone. I'm like, look, I need you to do this. I need yeah. someone right now and right at this spot. <laughs> I need yeah. someone. I don't know anyone in this yeah, country, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm using Google Translate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've literally. I mean, that's kind of my resourceful problem is you have to find ways to solve problems anywhere, any yeah. place, anytime. And then you know, while I then get, I'm like, look, I. I'm going to be arriving there tomorrow uh-huh. to help solve a problem, but I need you to like, uh, do, can you be on the ground and communicate with me? I'll pay you what it is. And I, I advance some money. Like, look, I just sent a hundred bucks in your account. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. So this guy's serious. Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. stop your job, go home. Yeah. You, you know, I, yeah. 
Wow. I, I might have to go to like 10 people like in because they're like so, crazy yeah, 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 but yeah. one there's always one that like uh, says oh yeah, yeah cool you know i mean literally you have to be resourceful when you have problems and find people same thing to finding like wow. you know finding nannies finding maids finding uh you know child care in random countries mm-hmm. i mean i use upwork i use whatever i can to to find people i'll go go recruit from the from the trend from the administrative assistants who are really people that can do anything yeah interesting. so the virtual assistants yeah. are, and i and to 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 be my become my when i'm arriving in a city you yeah. know to be my local translator and assistant or to want to i mean whatever that's a good one <laughs> that's a really good one in person using a virtual assistant as an in-person assistant for that city that they're well, i've done yeah. i mean i've done that or when cities would have to go solve problems in the street or, business or when my kids have to like yeah. arrive in a new city and we need to get all the bureaucracy done yeah i mean simple things like that all the way down to crisis to like serious crisis uh that yeah, i have yeah, yeah. like that are people in an emergency in a country and i have yeah. to solve a problem on the ground for someone yeah. or for a company yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. like doesn't have no clue they're like how to how to deal with a city in 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 the, like in the middle of a little of, yeah, yeah. of uh, Bolivia or yeah, yeah. Nicaragua uh-huh. or whatever. I mean, yeah, wherever Uber or there's or whatever the local thing is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, certain countries have Uber. Certain a lot of lot. It's amazing how many countries Uber is in. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah and yeah, you yeah. can solve problems. So. <laughs> That's a new one. Using Uber as Upwork. Uh, Uber as uh, you know, crisis manager. I mean, you're, you're, yes, I need to recruit sure. someone in five minutes. And so I, I start, I use Uber to recruit. So. so how do you actually do that? How do you find them on Uber? You well, you, you, go, you, you figure out where you need someone. Okay. So, so often I need someone to go to a specific location now. So I'm like, look, uh, I, I need you to go to this location and, yeah. and, and, and then take a video of like what's going on there. Yeah. like, you know, or go do this or go pick this up from this person, deliver it to this person. Yeah. Or yeah. Uh, lawyers are also another way to get uh, when you're dealing with expensive problems. Yeah. You you can hire lawyers quick anywhere to do anything for you. Is there a site that you go to that's well, well lawyers? If you're if you're hiring if you're having like big problems like yeah. crisis when yeah. I was solving problems in the pandemic for yeah. the U S for the U S government for like in stuff to like bring yeah. to figure out a way to bring uh, you know hundred million masks. Yeah. I, I did another yeah. problem. Whoa, I was like involved and I went to Korea. Yeah, uh, actually as a so you know I went to Korea. I was in quarantine for a few weeks. Yeah. Well, Whoa. and we manufactured we found solutions to some problems to get masks Whoa. but <laughs> i mean i've i've done all kind all the way to big you know problems where you literally recruit you, you contact lawyers yeah who are really expensive lawyers yeah. and i need you to do this for me yeah but it didn't ma- doesn't matter that moment because you're the most competent people that can get to to political connections all the way down to hiring a a, a maid or a yeah. person to go yeah, do yeah, some yeah, yeah, work wow. or to yeah. go yeah. solve a problem or yeah. i'm you know literally yeah. whatever the problem is you have to figure out who the most appropriate and fastest person to find a solution. Yeah. So I'm, I guess you can say I mean I've always been a, a problem solver and an innovator. Yeah. And in, and I've, I've been able to apply that in under different, different fields. Yeah. Platforms and environments and fields and in situations uh, all throughout uh, the world and you know and, and all throughout the world and in because I've and I've spent my whole life building friendships and relationships with people from. 100 different countries literally deep friendships or relationships mm. so i truly understand i mean it's just like so this is my kind of life experience and it's and i and i and because i'm an entrepreneur and i can think about it it it, it shapes the way i think about the world shapes the way i think about opportunities and mm. it happens to be shaping you know my uh <laughs> what i'm you know my my next opportunity so uh-huh. Uh-huh. we'll leave that for another day <laughs> yes but uh yeah. but anyways life is uh i mean that's how you know, you know i guess all this is going off the beaten path you yeah. know and life is that you but i've been very fortunate to be on the beat on the path 
you know, in the most, you know, in the circles that get all the greatest attention, but also go and bring new yeah. thinking and new ways of thinking into this world. So, and so I can, you know, the Silicon Valley happens to be an area that has a lot of eyes on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand that. And I was very fortunate to be raised uh, to, to, you know, go to school there and to spend most of the 90s there and to be a, a big part of the dot-com 1.0 generation. Uh, you know, one of, you know, uh, part of part of the, you know, entrepreneurs that were, you know, uh, part of the most, uh-huh. you know, in the circles, people building the most interesting projects. And then the same thing in the, in the, in the early 2000s which was a whole other second generation mm. and then the teens third generation and now we're it's no different i mean now i look at this the 20s you know we're in and i look at the generation i mean it's ultimately mm. nothing every every decade every is a generation and they have new tools available but ultimately you're doing the same things yeah. just, you just same if, human problems and you have to keep reinventing yourself and yeah. keep refreshing with all the latest technologies yeah. and some people they get a little tired after a while they start to not 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 use the tools that are available to them and then they they start being seen as uh you know well often it's very naive though uh but often uh younger generations or other people will will not really little think just because you don't understand a tool yeah. that you don't that you can still do that they maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. you know in fact sometimes you can do it better because when you're using you tools sometimes you sometimes you you're, you're only able to do not able to do it as elegantly or efficiently as some other things mm. that when you when when you know that, when you know how to do it without the tools, sometimes some things, some solutions, some problems. So same with coding. Yeah. I mean, if you want to trust AI to do most of your coding for you or yeah. whatever thing, I mean, there are things that you know. The point is, is that there it might be able to do ninety five percent, but that one problem, that one problem, it, it can't it, do. It's still five or ten years before AI can get to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, or whatever, or ten years or fifteen years off, and and. And the, and the person who hasn't been trained or had the life experience, mm-hmm. you know, is going to be able to do things. And it's not just uh, specific. Sometimes it's it's how you fuse four or five skill sets together to solve a problem. Creative, you know, problem solving and other things that mm-hmm. that we're not even that we're especially like you know. I mean, I, I, AI can't yet, you know, uh, you know, recruit a recruit an Uber driver on the ground in a country to have be on the spot to get you a video, you know, uh, you know. Save you eight eight hours before someone else, and uh, and then deli- physically deliver something, a document that needs to be taken off to a uh, to a to a to a cartorio, to a you know to to a notary, uh, and be working solving problems for you while you're on the ground trying to get to an airport to get to a country to you know <laughs> to deal with a really life life or death crisis, which yeah. I you know, things like that I've had to deal with yeah. uh, you know on the ground. I've I've also over the years I've had uh, you know worked in problem solving unexpected things you know if i've worked i ended up getting recruited to work for the u.s military uh, uh on a <laughs> contract uh, that was solving logistics problems in south america whoa years ago in 2020 for the for the uss ronald reagan uh, oh man <laughs> where i was uh, helping solve all their logistics issues before they got somewhere this was their it was their first uh first maiden voyage when uh, they had to go through in 2003 oh wow <laughs> uh, i ended up uh, that's whoa, a whole other story in itself and uh, and we we were solving all the things on the ground. When you're a contractor, you have to solve problems for uh, that uh, that they that you you have to solve problems that they they can't you know uh-huh. that you just yeah all kinds of problems. Interesting. <laughs> so I mean, uh, what is it like, again? Where you're in countries and you're like you're sitting there with a you know with <laughs> with a hundred thousand dollars cash in your pocket, you know this you know solving so, things yeah, on the street. Yeah. Uh, before for the for the carrier, they were about yeah. to arrive with five thousand people. Interesting, or whatever. I mean, I've had to I've, and... I've had to solve all kinds. I mean, yeah. 
Yeah. The stories I could tell, some I'm not even allowed to, I don't think I'm allowed to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there, you know, the point is, is that, you know, life uh, problem solving, I, I end up getting uh, recruited every now and then for not something planned from within friends or networks and, yeah. and serious emergencies and where they don't have a problem and I help because I, because I, I can solve using technology, using ways of thinking, using innovation. Uh, and I understand cultures, countries, any place, any environment. To me, I can look at any country, any place, and, you know, it can be, figure I can out. understand how to figure, solve problems, you know, even if I don't speak the language. Yeah. Even when I'm, even remotely never been to a country, I can yeah, recruit yeah. an Uber driver yeah. or a team of Uber drivers within, you know, I just have to find one, one person that kind of passes my test. That seems like, you know, with the, as long as I'm giving, giving them money and they, you know, uh -huh. they can then recruit a few, four or five people to go solve a problem, uh, you know, in a, in a random city in the world. Or whatever. But next next podcast we'll do uh, uh, <laughs> a, a lot on specific uh, the because that it's a that's a wild use case. It's such a cool. Yeah, I mean, there's so many. The point is, is that like life is like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know yeah. we've been all over the place, and that's part of. I think today uh, we're just speaking openly and freely. Yeah. yeah. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, on one level, I've, you know, I think that when you're an when you're an entrepreneur, when you're a CEO, you know, I'm a startup CEO, and I'm you're part of the way. I always say that the job of a CEO, mm. when you get now getting back into the professional world, mm. is in the most critical situations when everybody in the whole world and all the factors point you in one direction, say you have to go in this direction and all your management and everybody says you have to go in this direction in this opportunity. Yeah. And I think the job of the CEO is not always, but most of the time to know when to trust the, the judgment and everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's that one moment when yeah. everybody's going this way and, they're wrong. and you say you go against everyone yeah. and you go the other way. Yeah. And 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 you have to be right more often than wrong. Yeah. When you do that, <laughs> and when you do that, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it has, it has to use that very scarcely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's Listen. honestly, I think, what the difference between a you know a, a CEO's job and everyone else's job yeah. is that you you so you, start, you have to like oftentimes you have really good. I mean, I'm not a I'm not. I wouldn't consider myself. I, there's there's some CEOs that are more operational, yeah. and some CEOs that are more strategic yeah. and instinctual driven that can like. And understand that, and therefore they therefore build really good operational people yeah, around them. Yeah, uh, yeah, and true. I and they're more sales driven. They're out there on the field. They're yeah. out, you know. They're they're yeah. they're presenting the vision, the strategy. They're recruiting. Yeah. They're they're actively out there recruiting the future of their company. I'm I'm definitely one of those CEOs that am recruiting. You know, I recruit. I'm a, I I can recruit. Mm. Show the vision to anyone to recruit yeah. anyone. Yeah. To hope hopefully show them why you should join this vision. Why you're the perfect person to be join this vision and and help lay out the path you know of mm -hmm. how you fit into this because mm -hmm. with these 20 other people mm -hmm. and so i think that there are yes so so there's it, every ceo has different skill sets that they're really extreme in and whatever you're not you have to hire people that come that you specifically you know, yeah. so i so i hired for me you know recruiting uh, uh strategy uh, you know uh product vision yeah um and just and being able to see Make instinctual uh, instinctual decisions sometimes, and see the see see the see when we have to completely shift directions. Yeah, uh, has been something that you know has come more naturally to me, uh, and probably from a lot of my life experiences. Yeah. And um, yeah. and so therefore, I complement myself with the teams I build with the people that are complementary. I think that's one of the things you learn over the years too is when you understand what skill sets are you like a maybe. But I ask this everyone: What is your like one in a million skill that mm. no one has, or your combination of two or three skills that make it a one in a million? Mm. That you you're extreme in these three skills that that give you a, a unique way 
in fact, you should be spending more time on those. Use those, those skills yeah. and every other skill, even though you can, even though I've done yeah, everything over the years, yeah. I've done so many things. I mean, I, I can, I can literally, I mean, I, just because you've, when you've lived life, you've, you've had to, you've had to be the maid, you've had to be the cook, yeah, you've had yeah, to be everything. I can, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm not a bad cook. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I've, I've had to, because of my kids, I've had to, you know, uh, because of a lot of range of things I've had uh -huh. to learn, learn, you know, when, you're, when you're a single parent raising kids, you yeah. learn every skill set of, you know, of, uh, Especially coming into any country, if yeah, at some point you have to take, you've had to take care of everything. At some point, uh, even though you you can just as easily put teams together, you don't always have that luxury. Mm. And I think that that's Sometimes something you got to do it on your own. You you always have. I mean, you've you've that's what people don't realize is that you know when you've when you've when you're self made when you've built built from scratch so many times and been through so many things, you've done. At some point, you've had to do everything. Yeah. You've had to coach <laughs> your own yeah. coding. You had to do yeah. your own yeah. uh, product build. You had to do everything, or you've had to find solutions to do it in really crude ways. And you sometimes you actually are really good at those things, yeah. and people don't even realize, you yeah. know, of how many skills you have. But that being said, those are not the skills you should be putting your time in. when you have the when you're when you have the luxury and you have resources and you're scaling a business. And now you are hiring teams and mm. big teams. You have to go back to focusing on what you really constant change. You know those those few, few skill sets that yeah. you know truly differentiate. You, yeah, know, yeah. you know that yeah, you are like a one in a million, hopefully. And that if if you can get to that, you're in your ideal situation. Mm. And obviously, I mean, but again, when you're building a startup, you have, you have like a hundred hats uh, that you have to hold. hold. And not just startup when you're when you're a single parent, yeah. <laughs> you know, raising kids. When you're a digital nomad out on your own in the middle of nowhere. When you're out in if you're out, out in the middle of nature, you know, hiking, yeah. and you're you have nothing. I mean, wrong. point is, is you have to take, you have to just be able to solve your problems. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I thank, thank, uh, thank, you know, thankful that I've had those life experiences, and I know I, I have an appreciation of where they're where they're useful, and in in what in what skill and what what projects are useful. And obviously, mm -hmm. I I choose my projects based on things that I can utilize those skill sets. Uh, also, you know. Having to navigate in a in a kind of a, a David Goliath type legal battle against Facebook, spending millions, maybe tens of millions of dollars, specifically on trying to get you know make me personally suffer and uh, all the resources possible to try to get me to Whoa. for years they were trying to get me to admit that they didn't do anything wrong uh -huh. and they definitely did yeah, a lot of things yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we'll leave that you know for. I think the I think history will tell will speak for itself. Uh, you know, as far as their abuse of uh, our honor the of, of the data of, of of the ownership and control of data of users and yeah, yeah, all the yeah, yeah. later on all the civil rights and and uh, <laughs> and uh, the you know the all this the digital uh, human rights groups like EFF and mm. Cato Institute mm. and uh, the ACLU and all these groups that joined me along the years. Whoa. You know, when our after we got momentum, yeah. you know, and having to manage that for ten years against unlimited, those yeah, companies yeah, have literally will spend yeah, tens of millions of dollars, yeah. and they personally like chased me down into the bankruptcy courts, like with teams of lawyers trying to stop me. You know, they they at the beginning, I mean, that kind of stuff. Also, again, the survival skills yeah. that you've had to deal with in the real world, and you have to deal with, and mm -hmm. um, these are life skills that you pick up. So it's not surprising today. Um, when people have legal problems right. lawyers have legal sometimes yeah, lawyers yeah. even come, come to me come to me for like because i saw how to yeah, how to navigate yeah, yeah, yeah. 
the real world. Okay, you know, and and I understand that there's a human aspect to everything, yeah, relationship aspect yeah. to everything. There's a strategic aspect. Mm-hmm. You know, lawsuits, lawyers. The reason lawyers charge two thousand dollars an hour, and mm-hmm. today some lawyers charge three thousand dollars an hour, mm-hmm. and these are the lawyers that were all against <laughs> fighting against me for years. I saw I saw every tactic that they use wow. in, in to to cause. I mean, unfortunately, that's obviously if you're a CEO of a company. And you don't understand, and you're, you know, how 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 the legal system works, and how, you know, lawyers uh, in, in in complicated situations are to be used. You're going to get other companies that do and that have unlimited budgets are going to destroy you. Yeah, uh, competitive advantage. They create competitive advantage. Yeah, they they yeah. bog you down in lawsuits. They bog yeah. you down. In, yeah. And and when you're a small company, you can't afford it. I've had to go through that. And when you can't afford uh, a lawyer, like I've been in situations multiple times. Where literally, uh, you know, I was with a with someone that had unlimited resources, and they literally forced you to the point where you couldn't. I had to represent myself for a while, <laughs> and you can't even repre- represent a company by yourself. So you had to get like, literally, they they almost. So you get forced to default, and I've been on the I've been on the verge of defaults like uh, multiple times in yeah. different cases where. Where the, they'll force you, and then you literally have to find someone you can't, yeah, who work for free, basically, or or, yeah. or like work free, basically, will get you or, through it. And then yeah. no one will, yeah, no one will like lawyers won't even like this. What happened to Facebook, of yeah. course? Yeah, there's a whole documentary. Uh, if you uh, search Stephen Amy versus Facebook, uh, uh, NPR, <laughs> uh, you'll see the there's a documentary that 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 specifically talks about that. And then there's the, of course the the other one, another NPR documentary, uh-huh. which was the which is more easier to find the man who stood up to Facebook. Uh-huh. But it documented that story and that. I mean, it, it documented like 5% of that. I mean, obviously, all of the stuff we went through over 10 years from 2008 to 2018. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, that's a whole... I mean, the point is, you know, I, I guess in some ways, uh, while, while many, many, many people uh, uh, live, live, you know, life experiences, dealing with problem solving and everything else, I, I guess I've been in a unique situation mm-hmm. Where I've had to work from my most day-to-day mm. mundane challenges and life problems that everyone goes through, dealing with family issues, and yeah. you know, you know, going through challenging divorces, and going through dealing with family issues, going through dealing with complicated family issues that often involve, uh, oh, you know, uh, you know, really sensitive yeah. subjects. Uh, that's just everyone goes through them. Uh, has been through them or has friends that have been through them, but I've also had to deal with not at, 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 a, at a very high level at the politically uh, in business world in the at the you know at the top of the political and business world in Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. and in New York and San, San Francisco, mm-hmm. and you know working with the you know, the most mm-hmm. uh, you know well you know most uh, the t- talented recruiting and finding both lawyers who nobody knew yeah. using the same skill sets who were like in the beginning that, and I've uh, over and over finding, finding people, finding future great talent at their absolute beginning yeah, is, yeah. is a key to surviving yeah, because yeah, yeah. Uh, those people are not only are they able to, to, because you know, the point is natural talent will win in, in great battles uh, early on. But in the early stages, they're often willing to be more flexible. Yeah, and because they know how talented they are, even though no one else recognizes them, yeah. they will often uh, be more flexible with you. Yeah. And if all, when you're building startups, that's what, you should, that's what you're doing also. You're, you're finding really brilliant talent when you can't really afford them by their market rate. But mm-hmm. you show them, you know, they, they also see 
see something bigger mm-hmm. and you can show them where they fit in and you can build teams, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the same. It's, it's a funny thing if you, what I've talked about, there's a theme today is that skill sets mm-hmm. that you use that, you know, whether it be in thinking about optimizing conversion rates in everything we do in our life, uh, you know, in, that's a way of marketing thinking to creating or creating momentum is another thing that mm. is like creating momentum around anything, momentum building. In fact, when you're building a startup, the first thing every VC investor, you know, it's like they need to see momentum. Yeah, yeah. No one, until you have momentum, you're basically treated as nothing. Yeah. And that's the, those are the dark years of a startup. Yeah. Those are the, uh, those are the years when people, the two, three, four, five years uh-huh. when you're, um, when no when no one's paying attention to you, uh, it's while you're still trying searching for 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 mom, searching for momentum, yeah, and creating on your own. It's like the zero to one. Yeah. You've heard that, yeah. You know, it's 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 that's that's basically that's the that's the period. Sometimes that could take years. Yeah, you know, no one ever talks about that period. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Stuart Alsop I I I. Also, don't forget to subscribe on Spotify or iTunes for every weekly episode that I publish on Monday mornings. Hope you have a great day.